0: Welcome to another Coffee and Heroes podcast. Uh, Time now for our monthly review show. This is going to be our November review show for October releases. This was a five-week month, so there's many, many titles ahead. Uh, Delighted, as always, to be joined by Keith. And Roddy. (laughs) I was waiting on Keith to say hello. Um, Yeah, so just the three of us tonight, myself, Keith, and Roddy. um, We do have... Killen's picks here as well. We will sort of do a quick shout out to those as well. Uh, I should preface this um, edition by saying this is our last monthly review show. I'm sick hanging out with these guys. (laughs) Uh, No, we... um, we're always we're always looking at the podcast and we really enjoy doing them and as you well know at this point we could talk all night about comics but we're, we're and sat- we have and we have repeatedly <laughs> and we will in the next couple of hours uh but we're always looking for the best possible format for the show um sometimes it can be hard keeping up with comics reviews in terms of a month when you're trying to think back to a title you read five weeks ago And whenever you get a month like this where there are so many great titles yeah you? This month was a particularly tough one, I have to say, in terms of narrowing it down. Although we yeah. seem to say that every even, month,
1: yeah, even just the, was it the last the last week of it was just like there's about ten different like titles yeah. you could say. That it was a particular shock for me yeah. because
2: I only realised earlier this week that it was a five week month and that last <laughs> week wasn't November. Yeah, so it was yeah. a rather yeah. loud loud expletive uh, <laughs> uttered in the store. <laughs> I, I mean, full
0: disclosure: I actually haven't finished reading my pull list for the last week yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, we're going to move away from the monthly format. I'm delighted to say that we've all agreed on doing a weekly show. Um, so what we're going to do is record on a Monday. We're then going to uh, post it on a Tuesday, uh, which means it's out in plenty of time for what will be the following release week. So just to facilitate that, we had to fit in this monthly one because this will cover all of October. And then with today, we're recording on a new comic book day, the first Wednesday in November. Um, That means the weekly show next week, we'll be able to review the titles that came out this week. So get reading, boys. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) We're all very far behind. (laughs) Although Roddy has, unfortunately, going to tell us a tale of his fractured Tell us us of your woe.
1: Well, um...
0: Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a really original joke. And then he just went, Alan, look at our new group chat name. Yeah.
1: The WhatsApp, my uh, friends' WhatsApp group is called Tales of the Fractured Wrist. <laughs> no, no, no sympathy, just just straight in. Oh, couldn't wait to get that joke out. You know, no no sympathy. Yeah, uh, I broke my wrist in two places playing football, no less. So, um, but played on for a full ninety minutes, scored two goals, and we won. So, who's the real loser there? <laughs> um, but yeah, so Sorry. it's I'm in a. Casts and I had to get Keith and Alan to open my comics, but I'm okay.
0: And more importantly, Keith and Alan are going to draw large uh, pictures on that cast at I'm the end of the night. For I'm Coffee
1: and heroes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Sambia>. <laughs> that can be arranged. That can be arranged. But
1: yeah, um, uh, like I didn't really think I because it's sw- it's swollen up or it swelled up really badly on Sunday, mm-hmm. and then because we played football at about like eleven, and then. At about seven o'clock i was like this should have went on," because i thought it was just like i thought it was gonna be yeah, nothing like, like, like a day, or, yeah yeah but i was like yeah maybe i should go to the hospital just just to check it out and then if they'd laugh me out of there it's fine at least i'll have went you know but you know you don't want to go to hospital and annoy our amazing nhs stuff yeah um, uh-huh. But yeah, so rocked up, and um, they were like, yeah, you broke two bones. I was like, what? So you broke both the bones? I broke my radius and something else that You're I cool can't now. remember. Yeah, that's uh-huh. Yeah, very good. <laughs> you know more about it than I do. Um, so it's yeah. your wrist
2: rather than your hand? Yeah. Right, okay.
1: Fractured wrist. Fractured wrist, yeah. and it's just so starting to go
2: a nice colour about the...
1: About a nice uh, black colour. I only wish this was about a, the knuckles a visual, and, a visual yeah. podcast, but... <laughs>
0: Wow.
2: But
1: yeah, uh, I'm, I'll survive, I guess. You, you know? will, yeah. Don't yeah. doubt
0: it for a second. Yeah, the saddest news is, unfortunately, I have to miss the thought Bubble,
1: which yeah, uh, heart, uh, heartbroken that about sucks. that. But that sucks. Uh, I've got sold my table on a nice person and for twice the price. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a businessman, after all. No, no, uh, face value, and and hopefully get my flights back as credit. So that's not too bad. Sweet, but yeah.
0: But well, what this, of course, all means is that for the next six weeks, you will be on top of your reading, yep. much more than Keith and I. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> definitely.
1: No. But
0: on the plus side, as as we said with October, there was tons of great stuff. So um, these are the best of what we thought. Um, uh, these were the best of what we read in the month of October, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, a but, lot of a lot of sort of um, crossing of titles here between the three of us. A lot of stuff that we all read and all enjoyed. Uh, what we'll do. For the last times, I say, this format is we'll look at each week, we'll pick out what we thought was our favorite uh, title of the week, and then at the end of the podcast, we'll chat about what we thought was the best title of the month. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just going to kick things off. As I say, five-week month, a lot of stuff. So we start off on the 2nd of October. Now for me, um, I'll, I'll kick off with my first choice from this week. Uh, this was very, very nearly my pick of the month. Um, I remember saying this straight after I read it. This is going to be tough to beat, and it is Daredevil number 12. Um, it's a goodie. And the reason I love it so much, it's not even for the Daredevil elements, it's the Wilson Fisk stuff. Yeah. Um, so, should say Daredevil, so Chip Zdarsky, our good friend, writing, uh, Marco Cicetto on art again. Part two of the Through Hell Through story art. work. Yep. So, Daredevil, for me, has been up there with marvel's very best titles ever since they reintroduced the whole legacy idea i think this has been strong all the way through but every time you think it can't get better it does and this issue again the daredevil stuff in it is good the wilson Fisk stuff in it is amazing oh well there's there's two things actually that stick
2: out to me it's great to see tichetto back on earth yeah um yeah he was he was off it there for a wee while and uh although his i can't remember who was filling in for him Oh, off the top of my head, I wouldn't be uh, sure. but it, was it wasn't bad, but definitely... But the writing missed. definitely shone through and more. And the other thing is, although you're saying the Daredevil parts were good, there are no Daredevil, Daredevil parts in this. In fact, there haven't been any Daredevil parts really in this whole series, which is now 12 issues in, because Matt stopped being Daredevil yeah. after his near-death experience. Um,
0: so, yeah, uh, go ahead. Well, it wasn't so much his near-death experience. It was more his, He still couldn't rectify the, the fact that he had killed someone. That's right. is Catholic guilt. And it was uh, the, the Catholic guilt shining through. It was actually Spider-Man who turned up his apartment basically said, you're done. Yeah. And he didn't even put up a fight. He had no fight left in him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it's been more... I think that's one of the reasons this has been a good run. It's almost been a Matt Murdock run rather than Daredevil. Yeah. But yeah, the the Daredevil stuff in this one is still Matt finding his way back. Um, he manages to save someone who has actually been going around Hell's Kitchen dressed up as Daredevil, um, who has been captured. Elektra has appeared. She has
2: offered to train mark to get the to train Matt, Matt to get t- his skills back up to yep. to par. And also on the Kingpin side of things, he's been invited Kingpin is currently the mayor of New York. Yeah, and has something been, I love, which yeah, goes across all the titles, all it, and, it, and it has done for quite some time now—a yeah. couple of years, really. Uh, since uh, I
0: can't remember, was it? Uh, was it? Dan it was Mason? the mayor. It was the Mayor Fisk storyline, in... Um, and Daredevil back when Charles oh was ready. Yeah, then. but even it came off the back of Secret Empire. Yeah. Uh, Fist became a hero to the people of New York. That's
2: right. Secret yeah. Empire. That's right. Uh, wasn't that right? And then he then used that popularity. That, uh, too. Exactly. So he's been invited at this stage to dinner by the by a powerful political yeah. family.
0: Yeah, and, all these uh, different CEOs and um Like but legitimate legitimate CEOs, you know. <laughs> but uh, it's interesting because it actually achieves the impossible. I mean, Kingpin is Predominantly, or Wilson Fisk, I should say, predominantly an absolutely horrible character, and in this you actually feel sorry for him. Um, so these CEOs are essentially taking the mick out of him the whole way through this dinner, not taking him seriously, referring
2: the, to his criminal past. You know, he's yeah,
0: he's you know, famously
2: Wilson Fisk in his uh, in his uh, civilian role
0: you know, outside of being the kingpin was a simple dealer in herbs and Spices. Yeah, I mean, that uh, leads to some of the best yeah. lines here where, you know, they, they've been talking international business. Wilson has been quite silent, but now someone says, oh, we're ignoring our, our guests. You know, tell us, have you done business overseas? He says, oh, of course, in the past it was mostly Spices currently I'm focusing on investments at home. And there's this one guy who particularly just oh, nips away just at him. Absolutely, keeps asking about the, the criminal side of yeah. things. And, and he the, goes you know. spices, <laughs> spices you put straight up your nose. I'm assuming. Uh, you <laughs> know, and he thinks this guy thinks he's a real smart
2: ass, He thinks he's getting one over on the kingpin because you know these guys are business people and this guy's a criminal. You know what I mean? And he's the politician. You know. I can yeah. assure
1: you, it probably doesn't. Have
0: a <laughs> no, enough. no, you're exactly right. You're exactly right yeah well uh, that's it and there, there are a couple of people at this dinner in fairness are trying to take Wilson seriously and saying right alright that's enough this man is the mayor show him respect all this kind of stuff
1: so he's trying to legitimise his, he, his he's dealings, trying to go he? straight yeah. I
0: mean he's essentially trying to go straight you know as, as bad well, as weird as it uh, sounds. well it's happened throughout um, and it was happening throughout
2: Punisher as well whenever yeah. uh uh, Bar Zemo has brought the Thunderbolts and Hydra into New York City in order to hunt down Frank Castle yeah and Fisk is trying to make it look legitimate but he is absolutely saying you keep my hands clean you do not associate yeah. yourself with mm-hmm. me you know it's threatening Barnzemo effectively in order to to he's trying to he's trying to move out of all his criminal enterprises yeah he's already mm-hmm. shared all of these criminal enterprises to other uh, crime bosses in New York um, the Owl Particularly being mm-hmm. one of them, um, and that. So.
1: So how does uh, Matt Murdoch fit into that?
2: Well, there there hasn't
0: really been a lot of crossover, has there? Between. No, I mean, if you go back to Charles Soul's run at one point, Mayor Fisk, he was actually his deputy mayor, Matt Murdoch, mm-hmm. uh, which was kind of interesting as well. But at this point, it it does feel a little bit like it's two separate narratives. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've you've no doubt that it will come together, especially given the events at the end of this issue. But, uh, yeah, this guy just can't help but keep chipping away at Wilson and eventually he excuses... Chipping away. <laughs> he eventually um, excuses himself and goes to the bathroom and then he can hear them whispering about him, you know. You know, one guy saying, like, you know, quit playing with a man. Why? Isn't that why you invited him? The man is a bit of a specimen, you must admit, of course. But with a man like that, you need to be subtle about it so it'll fly over his head, not too close to his head and he'll just eat it. So there's all this stuff They're just been really, really... Um, really really niggly at him then as uh, as Keith says at this point Matt is fighting some people on the roof and Electra turns up and she again is showing that she wants to actually train him again you know she even says train with me become the man you once were become better than that man but this time Matt takes her up on the offer yeah you know so he's he's getting over it he's
2: getting, he's, getting he's, he's, st- he's on the road to recovery so to speak but this is this is what's <coughs> this is what's this is what's interesting about this juxtaposition yeah Matt seems to be on the way back up again and Wilson's going and on Wilson the way down very much on the way back. yeah. But, but in the same way
0: they're both becoming the people that they were so yeah Matt's becoming daredevil again
2: yeah that's and Wilson, that's, that's very a very
3: good point the
0: kingpin. that's a very good point um but yeah, this, this is why the issue really got me the last sort of four to five pages, but it's Wilson, first of all, in the bathroom. He's talking to himself. He's trying to reassure himself. He's like, you're Wilson Fisk. You run the greatest city in the world. Uh, it, sorry, another no, juxtaposition sorry. there uh, in the fight. Uh, Matt's monologue to himself.
2: Uh, you know, he's saying that they don't they don't fear you. Uh, and then he goes, it's all... He's losing control. He's getting, he's getting the crap beat out of him by yeah. these guys, you
0: know. It's all out of control. Meanwhile... Wilson's saying, you're in control.
3: <laughs> yeah. It's
0: all a bit control, yeah. But yeah, I mean, he, he can't even go to the bathroom and re- recollect his thoughts without this guy turning up again. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and then he, he's about to walk out, and the guy can't resist one last one. He's like, oh, I'm assuming there's still a working toilet in there. I mean, you've got to go through your share of toilets, man. Am I r-? And then Wilson just cracks, grabs him by the throat, <laughs> drags, drags him, back, him back, back into the bathroom. Into the bathroom there's this great close up of his eyes where he knows exactly what he's doing and then there's a beautiful nine page nine panel structure of <laughs> which most of it is just blood and red, I mean you can just see the guys you know, having tears rolling out of his eyes and Wilson just destroys him but even then after he he's does it in, there's didn't. this look of shock of although he was in control and doing what he was doing he's still slightly horrified by what he did and there's no way he's cleaning up that man. and there's no way he's cleaning <laughs> up the guy's body's in the bathtub there's there's um, blood blood everywhere there's handprints everywhere and you're thinking how's he getting out of this and normally what, what or is he just going to go out and kill the rest of them yeah normally
2: what would happen would be Wilson would be in his own place he'd have killed a guy he'd call Wesley the arranger yeah. and he'd clean it up you know what I mean but that's not the way this works anymore you know so uh but I, there's one thing I've always loved about and I, I love it whenever people do Kingpin right. Kingpin's huge. Yeah. He's massive and one thing that's always really massive about him is his hands. Yeah. Um you know what I mean? It's just the way he grabs this guy, you know, he <laughs> grabs him by the throat. And Fisk's hand is the same size as this guy's head. head. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? That so this is Wilson Fisk done right.
0: Yeah, they really convey his yeah. power. Yeah. Big style. Um, but yeah, again this this whole run's just been utterly wonderful. Delighted to say the latest issue came out this week. Um, and it is sitting in a rather lovely pile to my left and it's very high on my list of next issues to read again we we do sometimes come back to the same titles again and again just check in on them every so often sometimes quality dips there's not been a single dip in this run even when the artist was replaced as you say when maybe Chichetto was working on the next art the quality of the writing it didn't matter that the artist changed to a degree because the writing was so so good so yeah i mean daredevil along with silver surfer has always been my favorite marvel character um so i'm so happy when i see him done right so, i think this this run of zadarsky's is, is going to go down as one of the, the, the great runs of daredevil i think so i think so uh so yeah so that was daredevil 12 um cannot recommend it highly enough uh first trade is available if you do fancy jumping on it um again it's one of those now as Keith said, it's, it's going to become an iconic run so we always try to keep it in stock in the store. So that's available and Trade 2 is out in December. So for me, uh,
2: for the week, of, uh, week one of October, that's uh, the week starting the 2nd, the um, it's Lois Lane 4, uh, it's issue 4 of a 12 issue maxi series by the sublime Greg Rucca and Mike Perkins on Arts and Covers. Um, it's one book. It has one cover, so art and cover. <laughs> <laughs> so uh there could be variants. <laughs> so yeah, we're four four issues into this. I guess it's like an espionage journalist style series. Um, yeah, investigative journalism in the world yeah. of superheroes. is oh, I well, I like the, the, of. the world of superheroes is the backdrop, and mm-hmm. this starts off in a really interesting place. You know, in the last issue, Lois arrived back, as she has done a couple of issues time to your hotel. Uh, she sees the silhouette of. uh Superman in the shower she strips off goes to get in the shower and suddenly realises it's her son John <laughs> who as we know uh, under Bendis' guidance has now come grown back up. yeah from from outer space all grown up and uh, so this is this is absolutely fantastic John's like mom. she's like whoops and he says whoosh you know and he disappears out leaving leaving you know beads of water behind him in the shape of himself comes back dressed and goes next time throws a towel around her knock first <laughs> oh, come here and give your mother a hug. But so this is great. I mean, clearly, I think although Rockers on this and uh, um, Brute, who's on uh, Matt, Fraction. Matt Fractions so, on Jimmy Olsen. Uh, Jimmy Olsen, you know uh, Bendis is on Action and on Superman, but Bendis clearly has the overall. Yeah, you know he's the guy. He's the showrunner for these Superman books. So anyway, they're, they're all doing very, very different things, but they're all melding together nice. So we've got a lovely. Lovely scene where John here breaks to Lois the thing that he needed to break her, to, the news he needed to break her to, that he's going off to live in the thirty-first century with the Legion of Superheroes. So it's kind of there's a there's a an element of the mother sending her son off to university. Yeah, you know, but he's going to live in the thirty-first century. <laughs> you know, so uh, so that's kind of and that that comes in from action comics. You know, so all of this stuff's pulled together, but it's really interesting because it's it's set against this really normal background. It's not superpowers and stuff. They're sitting in a diner chatting about him moving to the 31st century and talking about, you know, legacy and this and that and the other. But uh, anyway, uh, the thing that really, there's a lot of, as I say, there's there's a lot more going on in this series and you really need to sit down and read it. There's a lot of different threads coming together, uh, journalists being offed. Um, There's a big uh, nod toward politics in the world currently. Um, there seems to be a bit of a supernatural element coming into it uh, here as well. Uh, there's a backstory here about um, about the Black Queen's Bishop. I don't know if it's going to tie into Leviathan. I have a feeling yeah. it might. Uh, based on you know, so we've got Event Leviathan, which is also something Bendis is. Yeah, next
0: uh, next week, last
2: issue yeah. that drops. drops. So so what what we've got put in here is is the Legion of Superheroes. We've got Event Leviathan. So everything that's happening in the Superman universe. But what really stood out to me uh, and made me pick this as my issue of the week was the conversation between Rene Montoya, the Question, and Lois Lane. So Lois and the Question have been working together. Lois has been using Rene for as her not as her strong arm but as her another eye for investigating or eyes and the ears, eyes Sorry, and, the ears. and there was a great uh, Lois hasn't been telling Montoya everything Montoya's been feeding Lois information but Lois has the whole story mm-hmm. and uh, and it, it comes down to truth and I think this it resonated with me I was really uh, really enjoyed Chernobyl TV mm-hmm. series which was all about what happens whenever the truth is hidden you know um, and there was a really great speech in that and this one really echoed with me and it starts with the Montoya saying "Damn it, Lois, and Lois saying you want to do this here in the middle of Grant Park what's the line Montoya from that movie you can't handle the truth (laughs) (laughs) we all know where that's from (laughs) Montoya goes try me and Lois goes no it doesn't work like that Uh, she says Montoya says I deserve and Lois says again wrong premise if deserve had anything to do with it, anything Uh, parents wouldn't lose their children and genocide wouldn't happen, you want to know that about truth montoya most people who claim they want it actually don't it's like booze or sugar too much makes you sick and most don't have the stomach for it even in small doses you people want to be told that they were right all along that the world works the way they imagine it should they do not want to be told they're wrong truth is so potent that given the choice most people would prefer to ignore it in favor of a lie more to their liking i've been a reporter for a while i know a little about truth i know you have to deliver big truths in small pieces because the liars will try to stop you but because all those people who said they wanted it actually didn't not because the liars will stop you but because all those people that who said they wanted it actually didn't and they will absolutely kill the messenger and not just figuratively um montoya says if it's so awful for so many then why bother and lois says you know the answer to that you're a detective truth is medicine it's an antiseptic that's why it hurts so damn much whenever you get it at first but whenever the shock wears off if you can't take it you get the cure you get to be healthy as a person as a society, that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> that's just a great. That's Greg Rucker at his best. You know, yeah. uh, that's what makes Lazarus so good. it's his writing, as his you know. So uh, highly recommend, highly recommend that issue just for that speech. Highly recommend the series just for that writing. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, loosely <coughs> at number four.
3: Very relevant. The, uh,
0: very relevant. Very relevant. Um, yeah, exactly that so another one uh, that the latest issue is out this week also yes oh, indeed. I see a pattern emerging here because it's going to so be the same for the third one
1: I guess we're going to talk about that next time we are and we might talk about issue number two of this series next time
2: well if it's anywhere in here as good as the first I can yeah. see that being the case
1: so obviously with well, myself we've had a Marvel we've had a DC now we're straight over to indie. and this was the first one we all had on all of our lists yep yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so we're talking strange skies over east berlin what were you saying about uh, truth and cover-ups oh, and all yes, that sort of absolutely, stuff yeah. uh, so yeah. this one written by jeff loveness art by lisandro etherin and patricio Delpech on doing lovely lovely colors so if you don't know about this one 1973 a wall cuts the world in half the united states have left vietnam in chaos and ruin The Soviet Union maintains a stranglehold over the Eastern Bloc. East Germany is in the deepest, sorry, East Germany is the deepest surveillance state in the world. Thousands of Stasi agents use thousands of informants to spy upon their neighbours. The wall is built higher. So, awesome stuff. Um, First of all, I absolutely loved this.
2: The art is fantastic. It's just. And the colors are fantastic. A
1: combination of everything I love. Yeah. Like, sort of that European aesthetic, combination of the paranoia. But then it's got this lovely, wonderful, sort of mystery element to it yeah, as well.
2: Yeah, there's a, a. Like a noir thing going on here, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, so we
1: start out, it's um, basically an American agent is deep. Deep within the Eastern Bloc, and he's sort of—is he American or just I think he's West American German or can't remember. Yeah. It doesn't really give much away, but um, we sort of get his narration, uh, and he seems very, very desolate and hopeless. He's um, there's probably probably quite relevant to Lewis Lane as well. He's talking about lies and why do we lie to keep others safe or or to save ourselves. Um, and then
0: he's obviously super paranoid super about what he's doing you know
1: yeah Uh, yeah. but
0: very world weary as well I mean his inner monologue the way it's written is fantastic I mean he's essentially trying to get a couple of uh, people out over the wall from east to west and uh, there's this inner monologue where he's you know waiting for one more to arrive and he's saying like they're brave I've seen it before they look at the wall and they think they can win I try to share their hope but I've learned better the wall kills hope Um, yeah I mean the inner monologue and stuff of it's fantastic but yeah of course even though he tries to warn them about going uh, they all get caught and he just about manages to get out of there in time
2: Um, just in time to see a lovely double page spread yeah um, of this light this this uh, otherworldly light Uh, a strange sky if you will yeah exactly shooting across and it shoots it shoots along the top of the wall so it yeah
0: along the wall
2: so it's not not choosing sides yeah <laughs> it's sitting on the wall
3: that's it
0: the thing is if this was a DC book you'd look at that you'd think it was Superman just flying through there's even a bit of a red streak yeah, behind yeah, it as yeah. well or the flash
1: could there be I think there might be an element to it because off a Superman off like something but like a reverse Superman where something's not quite right there's obviously um, obviously these Germans have something but they don't know what it is. But anyway, as the story continues, whatever this
2: is that has fallen from the strange sky, yeah. You know.
1: The um, there's um, he says it's hard to keep a secret in East Berlin, but obviously the Stasi now have something, uh, and he's trying to find out what it is. And uh,
2: he's been asked by his his Western paymasters to uh, to find out. Yeah, what
0: it is is not the case, and therefore insinuates and or, or does yeah, and he has to go something. massively deep underground. Yeah, for the next part, but he's also worried going underground that one of the main guys saw him running away. Yeah, and trying to help yeah. other people. So again, it's that paranoia uh-huh. uh, as well. Um, it's interesting because this, to me, felt a little bit like it belonged in the same sort of universe. As Simon says, Nazi hunter. Uh-huh. You know, it just—it almost <laughs> yeah. felt like another story from that same world. Yeah, actually, you're not wrong. You're um, not wrong. Just the the even just the aesthetic of it and so forth. But yeah, I mean, you get all that paranoid um, Cold War stuff. But then,
2: I mean, he finds himself in a in a like in a gulag in in, in Soviet Russia, isn't that? Yeah, the case. That's where this thing has been has been kept. There's a there's a like a a background of his memories of a, of a former Love Lost mm-hmm. um, seemingly uh, and then we start to get into, uh, into a bit that starts to feel a wee bit like John Carpenter's The Thing yeah Yeah. I got that vibe as well definitely yeah.
1: some real freaky body horror going on
0: and this is where the art really shines as well because it does get creepy quickly so it does uh, and it,
1: but yeah there's a I don't know if it's even Chernobyl esque the way there's a guy, um, the guy he interviews, who's obviously seen this thing.
2: has been held, uh, yeah.
1: And then he sort of melts away, shall we say? Is that the right it's word? It's almost
0: like electricity coming yeah. out of him or something, or tendrils so or something like that. Yeah, freaking weird. But then you've got that, and then the main character is also seeing visions of someone, someone who can't be there, and he's saying, and he won't believe it. Um I mean, what what is it, the the possessed the, the the possessed guy is saying, Open the door, let it out it's almost
2: it reminds yeah. me of the Immortal Hulk. You know, <laughs> what's behind the green door.
0: <clears throat> yeah, it's um it's just brilliantly written and it it does leave you just wanting more. I mean the issue actually ends with him coming face to face with the guy who he was worried saw him. <laughs> and, it even, Kiner. and it even ends on that sort of line like, Yes, Colonel, soon we will know everything. And even the inner monologue is the truth finds you and yeah. takes its revenge. And I mean the fact is that w- what we end with here is
2: they're all stuck in this bunker. Yeah. They've locked up this bunker because they don't want this thing to escape. So yeah. he's stuck in there with playing cat and mouse with a guy who he thinks knows that he's really a double agent. Yeah. yeah. And you know, then there's also the paranoia of this alien creature being stuck down there and I think what we're gonna see now is they're all stuck in this pressure cooker as this the <laughs> as the, the heap starts to build, you know. Yeah
1: very exciting really looking forward to getting the second one which is next week yeah but I just thought a really fantastic uh, just jumping in point to this world that you probably don't really see in comics I know we said about Simon Says but yeah you're right I think the Cold War is something that's not really being explored too much maybe I'm wrong there but
0: it's just a, it's a really interesting blend of genres as well because yeah. the first seven or eight pages I would have happily just read a story about this guy who's deep undercover yeah. and trying to yeah. help people escape <laughs> I would have happily just read that but then the fact that it then becomes with that double page spread yeah. a sci-fi
1: story yeah it's like it's like the third man or something at the start and yeah.
0: then yeah,
1: it it's
2: becomes a wee bit more the thing or Carpenter-esque something, yeah. and I'm, I mean I'm interested to see how many characters now are stuck in this bunker there's this Anzella woman who mm-hmm. seems to be the, like the, the commandant of the bunker. Yeah. Uh, you know she looks like a real hard ass, and uh, <laughs> I'm interested in finding out a little more about Inspector Kainer and who he is and how he's come to be in this position. And
1: is he? He is referred to as the be- best rat catcher in East Berlin. That's probably, right,
2: and yeah, the best rat catcher in Berlin. Um. So yeah, and also then I'm also interested in finding out what this thing is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is it? yeah,
0: so very, very cool. great uh, great pick, Roddy. Yeah. Uh, yes, those were our main picks from the second of October. Uh, just a few shout outs for one or two other ones very quickly. Um, I know Keith enjoyed Ghost Rider number one. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm really glad to see Ghost Rider back. I'm really glad to see uh, Ed
2: Breeson on anything. Uh, this Ghost Rider's great status quo is that uh, Johnny Cage is the king of hell. Uh, something is going wrong, things are escaping from hell so Johnny has to head back up to uh, to to the world in uh, barefoot, in black jeans and a rather fancy red shirt and red tinted glasses because he is now effectively Mephisto uh, and find himself some demons and in order to do so he recruits uh, the man we know to be his brother uh, down and out bar owner and alcoholic Danny Ketch who was the ghost ghostwriter of the the 80s um and danny is sort of having none of it um but uh well not very much of it anyway he still turns into ghostwriter whenever he's needed you know but uh he really doesn't he's really interested in getting rid of the curse and so forth and so on so uh the brothers the brothers blaze are 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 back together again there's there's some uh some demonic backdrops and so forth and so on so and uh, Mephisto meanwhile is hanging around Hotel Inferno where he's been since the Doctor Strange Damnation series he now has a hotel in Las Vegas where yeah. he lives since he's been kicked out of hell um, <laughs> so they're, they're really pulling up some some cool stuff here I'm
1: um, not, not sure I like the the colours really it looks, no? it looks a bit sickly or something yeah yeah,
2: maybe maybe that yeah. is the
1: style they're going it's, for. But
2: yeah, it could be. Yeah, there's there's maybe an element of that. There's a lovely uh, double page spread at the back which tells us about all the different hells in the Marvel universe, <laughs> including. Uh, there's more than one, of course. We we know about Neffelheim from our education. About we the, do, uh, yeah, of course. About mm-hmm. the, the the various realms, and then there's the below place from uh, the Immortal Hulk, where the one below all lives, uh, the dark dimension, Hades the brimstone dimension which is where uh, Nightcrawler teleports through that's where he smells of brimstone and, oh yeah. okay uh, there's Limbo which is associated with uh, uh, Magic uh, Colossus' sister mm-hmm. and uh, there's the Eighth City which is associated with the seven capital cities of heaven and Iron Fist so they've
0: collected them all um, anyway that's Ghost Rider. Cool. really enjoyed it Yeah, another one that I just like throwing out a bit of love for every time we talk in reviews is a title called Canto. Um, It was issue five that came out on the 2nd of October. Uh, It's going to finish at six with the first arc. I'm delighted to say it has been picked up for an ongoing because this is awesome. Canto is the kind of thing that I think you'd really enjoy, Keith, given your love of um, Bone. Yeah, Uh, it's got very similar vibes. Uh, Just utterly charming adventure stuff. Um, It's created by David M. Boer, who is the author and art by Drew Zucker Um, And again, I just read out the wee blurb every time. but It's just Canto's people once had hearts now they have clocks when slavers damage a little tin girl's clock beyond repair Canto must brave his strange and fantastic world to bring her her heart Can he overcome the dangers that await to save the one he loves? Uh, Again, just utterly utterly charming title issue 5 was excellent again um, I'm really going to be pushing this title I think with a hitch trade because I'm looking I forward to getting the I'm trade I'm going to grab it and trade yeah especially absolutely. when it's especially when you get something that's great for all ages I think it's important yeah. to sort of you know put that info out there as well so yeah that was Canto number 5 something
1: that wasn't for all ages is die which i think was out in the second but i probably should have checked before i mentioned it but <laughs> i'm almost positive it was on my list but i was like we talk about it all the time so i was like no yeah
0: there's a reason we talk about but it all i the think
1: time. we will maybe pick it up because die number nine is out today yeah. so we'll talk about it next time yeah
2: cool cool, cool, cool. we can do we'll that
1: check back in on die see what's happening
0: and then we'll just throw out a wee bit of love for one more title um Absolute Carnage has been pretty wonderful so far. I, similar to Keith, have just been sort of cherry picking which times to read. Yeah. The ones that tend to get my attention are the one shots. And especially the one shots that are written by the people who write the characters. Yeah. Um, in this case
2: it's all ewing on Immortal Hulk. Immortal Hulk, Absolute Carnage. So picks up just nicely from Immortal Hulk, uh, which is very much about banners, um, multiple personalities, so they're very very in ascendance at the minute. Banners in here somewhere. Joe it's in here somewhere. Um, it's it's all about. I guess Banner finds out about you know what has happened about the bones uh, being discovered, and um, where was it the graves that were that were? Oh, I can't even remember where it was at. Um, uh, do you remember at the very start of Absolute Carnage there was. John Jameson had gone in. Oh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And they had found the bones of General Thunderbolt Ross and a whole lot of other people that Carnage had murdered. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. In order to get the the codexes out of them. So, and then they find out. Yeah. So, anyway. So, uh, obviously, Thaddeus Ross is the father of Banner's wife, sometime wife Betty, who is now a giant red uh, gamma harpy. But anyway, uh, there's a really macabre scene where Banner decides he needs to get to that site and he asks Betty to take him but Betty wouldn't be able to take him in time because he's too big and too heavy so Banner, knowing that he's the immortal Hulk and that he will come back to life, says "What What if you folded me up small? And she just, you know folds him up into a small little parcel and then uh. whenever she drops him he turns into the immortal Hulk comes back to life again <laughs> it's kind of horrible uh, but anyway that it, series is horrendous yeah it is horrendous <laughs> in yeah, the yeah, best it, possible way the, yeah, right. yeah, absolutely story. <laughs> uh, a lot of what happens happens comes off the back of Absolute Carnage 3 where the Carnage symbiote takes over the Hulk Yeah, and it's about the conversation that goes on in Banner's head between two versions of the Hulk himself, Joe Fixit Uh, and I think that's it Uh, and Carnage so there really or no uh, Venom Yeah. no Carnage Venom Venom it's the Venom symbiote that wants to take him over was not it Yeah. because it was going to take the Venom symbiote was going to take over so that he would be strong enough to fight Carnage yeah exactly so effectively that's what happens they have a conversation the the multiple personalities have a conversation with Venom and uh, in in the end effectively agree yeah cool we can do this thing yeah Yeah, let's uh, you know uh, so so it ends with uh, with with Hulk becoming Venom, um, yeah. but
0: yeah, it was good good book. Ends with we are Hulk. We are Hulk. That's <laughs> right. Sweet.
3: Okay. Yeah, I mean that's
0: what I found with Absolute Carnage. A lot of people are collecting absolutely everything for it. I know you did the three issue mini Lethal Protectors. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, but again, it's Absolute Carnage has been a, a it's been a great event and it's been a great demonstration of how to do a good event in yeah. terms of you don't have to pick up everything just cherry picking and choose, yeah you know? exactly um, exactly but so it, it's nice whenever an event lets you do that yeah you know you're at
2: whenever those more of the realms are similar yeah though. exactly whenever those one shots and add-ons and mini series yeah some stuff's critical the main series is critical it should be yeah. the only thing that is critical everything else should add value yeah but shouldn't agree. take away from the fact that, that you can't follow
0: the story if you don't read it
2: yeah yeah,
1: yeah I'm with you
0: uh, yeah cool so that brings to an end the, uh, the 2nd of October picks uh, I'll just throw out a quick shout out Caelan's pick for this one was Superman Up in the Sky 4 uh, this was another one that was close to um, having me talk about it quite a bit if only for the first story of the two so Up in the Sky is always divided into two stories and the first story was the little girl that Superman's searching for mm-hmm. uh, telling a story to her captors about why she believes still Superman still not found her yet? nope no um but it's a story about why she believes he's still going to come for her. Oh, and okay. the story she decides to tell is the time that Superman raced the Flash. Oh, and so it's awesome. a real it's a real exploration of classic Superman tales. So Up in the Sky is great. So that was going to be, um, as I say, Caelan's pick. Uh, going on to the 9th of October. Uh, I'll just throw it out there again. I'll throw uh, Caelan's out really quick because it's one I don't think any of us are reading. But I know he talks highly of, which is Loki.
3: Yeah, uh, okay. He's
0: reading the mini-series of that. It's issue four, that, specifically, that came out that uh, caught his attention the most. Uh, based on his praise of it, I might pick that up and trade myself. Um, but my pick for the ninth was something I looked forward to for a long time. Uh, so this was the Joker, Year of the Villain one-shot. Uh, just as we were talking there about Strange Skies over East Berlin being quite John Carpenter the thingish,
3: mm-hmm.
0: Joker, Year of the Villain was written by John Carpenter. Oh, um, okay. It was uh, written by him and his long-term comic writing partner Anthony Birch. Uh, they've collaborated on Big Trouble in Little China comics, Old Man Jack, stuff like that. And then art in this was by Philip Tan. I've sort of joked to people with Joker here the villain I refer to it now as Joker's Night Out. It kind of reminds me of the old, the uh, Amazing Spider-Man Annual we all enjoyed so much, <laughs> which we called Symbiote's Night yeah. Out, oh, um, where the symbiote took over Peter Parker and just took him out to fight crime, thinking that's what he would want. Joker's Night, the reason I call it that is it takes place during the City uh, of Bane storyline that's going on in uh, Batman right now. And the story itself is told from the perspective of one of Joker's henchmen, uh, a guy called uh, the Six of Hearts. Um, It it kicks off where Joker poisons the water supply. So far, so normal. But what's not normal for it is nobody cares. There's no consequence. It's the City of Bane, crime rules. So the Joker's bored. So he essentially puts a gun to the head of Six of Hearts and challenges him to say something funny. So the whole story is the Six of Hearts story. He starts spilling out his life story, his struggle with mental illness, how he came to work for the Joker. Uh, That was something that actually really reminded me of The Dark Knight, where um, one of the Joker's henchmen who tried to kill the mayor, Um, Batman refers to him as a paranoid schizophrenic, the kind of mind the Joker attracts. He does tend to attract those um, ones with mental illness um so of course the joker does find this tale of woe funny um the way carpenter writes joker i think's brilliant because he ha- he writes him as this sort of horrible twisted force of nature um it's actually a pretty good companion piece this one shot to the recent joker movie because mm-hmm. he focuses very much on the insanity from page to page the character changes one minute he's telling jokes th- the next minute there's a great um there's a great throwback to the classic uh of Jason Todd with the crowbar where he beats Six of Hearts pretty much just goes nuts at him. Um, Philip Tan's artwork in this as well is glorious it's it turns horrific um, quite nasty but at the same time he's able to convey through facial expressions how magnetic and charismatic the Joker be and why he would attract people who are maybe a little crazy. Um, yeah just thought this was great just a one shot In a way, it's totally throwaway, it's not essential to City of Bain or essential to any other storylines, but it was just a lot of fun, Um, a dark, twisted fun, I should say. Uh, It came out in the month of Halloween, there was good sort of horror elements to it as well. Um, Yeah, really, really good fun, really big seller at the store as well, and a lot of people had the same sort of opinion that it was a... uh, it was a great uh, single issue that dropped there so cool.
1: yeah the, thought, a lot of those Year of the Villain ones kind of sounded like they've been like that I remember you talking about was the Riddler one Riddler one was good and it was they weren't wasn't like they were essential to City of Being or any other sort of ongoing stuff but they were
0: they're just well written yeah. um, the well written one shots there was a Black Adam one recently that was was very interesting um, there was a Lex Luthor one um, yeah the Year of the Villain stuff again I, I still don't fully get it as a event so to speak um, but there's there's been good stuff amongst and that was definitely one of them um, yeah. but speaking of ones that are aimed at a Halloween audience Mr. Anthology take it away that's it uh,
1: so my pick was Secrets of Sinister House the a DC comic no less they uh, were the successor to, to Curse Comics Cavalcade good for you that's yes. it. he's practised <laughs> that, that all there night was, I can't remember what it was called the year before there was another one the year before yeah. that but uh,
2: Curse Comics Cavalcade was Karen's love from last year wasn't it yeah, it was yeah. indeed uh-huh. yeah
1: um, I think this is just as good to be honest um, there was a lot of we'll get into it um, so 80 you page, you page the pages? giant okay? oh yeah give, give us a wee hand please Um, yeah so basically what you're gonna get an anthology and they're gonna put together some some of the finest talents that are working for DC we've got some newcomers we've got some you know established writers and we've also got Raphael Albuquerque doing stuff um, it's so never a bad thing writing writing, writing and, and drawing the arts, yeah. um, he shares writing duties with Raphael Scavone older the Raphaels um, yeah um, and then we've got uh, Brian Hill doing a lot of stuff there's a bit of Paul, uh, Paul Dini Paul, Paul story is really good um, and then Dan Waters who I know was doing Sandman Universe stuff and Sumit Kumar is the artist of The Savage Shores so yeah um, first first it's it's like anything. It's a mixed bag. But if you if you're really drawn to an artist, or a writer, definitely pick it up. Um, Raphael Albuquerque's art in the first Red Rain. I know Red Rain's like an alternative Batman thing, yeah. isn't it? Um, it also introduces the talons into this alternate universe and some really cool looking imagery oh like
2: they're oh they're the,
1: like the talon has biologically man bat yeah well, man owl man esque. Um, really cool looking I think there's some uh, American vampire style stuff going on so it's Red Rain
2: Batman is a monster is that right? yeah, the, uh, yeah and okay. there's a
1: vampire plague has taken over Gotham and uh, in this story um is is it um Jim Gordon's daughter? Um basically thinks she's having a nightmare, but it's actually the bats sort of yeah. fighting over her. um yeah, it was quite it was quite a good one. Um I really enjoyed there is a this one you might enjoy, um the I think it was the Dan Waters one with the Adam. The Adam, yeah. Cosmic horror? right almost a bit, um, bit lovecraftian yeah it's um sort of at the mountains of madness basically okay. i would say right right that right, would be right. the closest thing if you look at it it's really gorgeous really recommend checking that one out and there's quite no, you were saying right, that was from right. the artist of these savage shores yeah that one? suma kumar um was a really really good one
0: should say that came out in trade
1: this week oh did it and yeah, yeah. really pretty trade or have you just got the? uh
0: it's still a pretty trade, but yeah. it's not the beautiful gold trim trade <laughs> shall we say
1: it even is a lovecraftian title yeah, those, footsteps of the old worm them. yeah See, so yeah there was um paul dini's one was really good with a lot of clowns and harley quinn and um, definitely recommend checking that out then we had Martian Manhunter one was quite good. It was Diego Lacera Lopez. And Phil Hester and Pencils. Yeah. Um Yeah, an anthology, especially with the Halloween ones, it's all about like a little bit of shock value and a little bit of heartfelt um stuff. There is Justice League Dark one was very, very funny. Um that's Robbie Thompson and It's a detective chimp story. Yeah, yes, Keith's so favourite. <laughs> it's very funny but yeah um, it was definitely it came as a surprise because I just thought do you know what I'll pick it up picked up Curse Comics Cavalcade last year so it's almost like a tradition now to yep. pick up the Halloween DC things because I really like I just really like anthologies you know yeah. there's so, one
0: by George Fornes who's uh, an artist we'll be talking about a little bit later
1: oh right okay
0: Yeah, I love his art style he's recently done Daredevil as well um, really, really cool artist. Denver? Oh
1: yeah, that's my that would be my pick. Um, cool. Same at the same time. Another reason to pick them up is you usually get like Detective Chimp. You usually get a few characters and don't really get get a focused on, or you get to put yeah characters into like a Halloween or a scary situation. You know, sweet. That Plus, you're always it.
0: guaranteed to get a bit of Hellblazer in there.
1: Oh yeah, of course.
0: Although he has wouldn't that be Halloween back. without him. And so to complete, I am delighted to say a DC clean sweep for the ninth of October. Yeah, for me it's <laughs> Superman sixteen
2: by. Um, uh, let me see, Brian Michael
0: Bendis, and it's who's on the art. Uh, this was a controversial art, uh, issue, art-wise, I have to say. It is David, David LaFuente. La yeah.
2: um, so, yeah, this is John Kent's exit issue from the the core Superman books, I think. Again, we talked earlier on on Lee and how he's been offered a place of the <laughs> Legion, Legion of Superheroes. Superheroes. But more specifically, it's his farewell to his dad and the reunification and uh, farewell of the Super Supersons. So... The story with John Kent as he went with his grandfather into space through space and time and uh, it all went a wee bit pear-shaped. The House of El storyline, Brian Michael Bendis, Superman, uh, action comics um, and uh, in the intervening time John has grown up from uh, I guess what a nine-year-old to uh, probably something more akin to 16 you know uh, anyway so uh, it uh, it starts with a with a message John is sending whenever he was still a kid, whenever he had gone off with his grandfather, just telling telling tell Damian his partner in crime, uh, his his childhood friend, uh, and also Robin, uh, and also not my favorite character in the DC universe. In fact, one of my least favorite characters. Um,
1: You haven't mentioned that before?
2: No, wasn't spanked enough as a child. (laughs) Clearly. Hold on, he's still a child. He doesn't get spanked. (laughs) Okay. Um, So, it's you know, John's just saying, you know, if you were. You know, I was just thinking this was the dumbest idea ever. So, if you're feeling bad about how I left, if you're feeling jealous. Don't. (laughs) Don't be. I'm going to try and get back ASAP. I'm coming home, and if you get this and I'm not home, do not sell the card collection. (laughs) So anyway, it starts off with uh, Damien. Uh, Damien's uh, trying to take down some Leviathan bad guys. Leviathan, Event Leviathan, again. Brian Michael Bendis. The the DC corner, the Bendis corner of the DC universe is just expanding and expanding. (laughs) So it's not a bad thing. He's doing very, very well. But... uh, yeah, Damien solo in this one. Whenever uh, John reappears, uh, and just says, "Hi, Damien, it's me, it's real. Take it in. I'll wait." <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, the next thing that happens is Tank <laughs> Damien hits him in the face with a battering. You know, <laughs> Damien suspects that you know he's like, "What happened?" He hits him with another battering, which of course doesn't doesn't bother John at all, um, and he's like it's a long story gold kryptonite nope kryptonite for puberty everyone keeps saying that is gold kryptonite even a thing (laughs) you know so there's some real lovely dialogue here there's some real humorous dialogue and uh, he says I went with my grandfather we got stuck in time it took years to get back I'm back and now I'm going to hug you, Damien's do not hug, (laughs) he doesn't really have a lot of choice (laughs) you know (laughs) he's stopped fighting this because you need this as much as I do why are you so tall, this is not fair, (laughs) you cannot be taller than me and older than me (laughs) you did it didn't you, puberty, before me, no, no, (laughs) what else have you done before me, no, have you already no, (laughs) and then Damien he's like, you're Leviathan, you know, so it's all suspicion, you know, he's like I was with my grandfather I got stuck in time it took years to get back I'm back you know he, he repeats that you know until you know and eventually they decide you know they need to go off and get uh, get hot dogs on top of the gargoyle which is apparently a thing you know um, the, the as I say the dialogue just really drew me to this it's a really sweet story uh, the, the art really matches it you know it's kind of a wee bit cartoony yeah it's very uh, there's
1: Nostalgia too, just like yeah, yeah. Um like like it's like the opposite of that ghost radio comic. And yes, it's yeah, it's just it's warm. Burst yeah, the it is,
2: it does by pops, you know, and so they over the over the gargoyle dogs they you know they, they come to they, they they're doing all the things they used to do. You know, now just John's only been gone for three weeks, you understand? <laughs> That's the confusion thing yeah. for Damien here, but you know, the is, like you're almost Superman and John's like ha not yet and he goes well, if, well I am almost Batman <laughs> <laughs> you know and uh, they're like "You're," he's like you're so much more than that well what happens next well I hear a couple of sirens and see a couple of seasoned super people so let's go <laughs> so you know the next few pages are them solving solving mystery or not solving they're, they're, they're taking out bad guys they're rescuing cats from burning buildings they're uh, you know John's explaining that he's going uh, he's been got an offer to live a thousand years in the future, you know. And uh, do you mean demons going? I'm just excited that there is a thousand years in the future. That's the best news I've heard in a while. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And uh, and that and he's like, he's like, if you don't go, I'll go you'd go to like a thousand years in the future, right now no goodbye to anyone, not even you, really oh my god yes <laughs> you know? so, so anyway they reconcile this, you know, he goes back to the whole thing about being so much taller uh, there's a just a lovely, lovely scene at the end that they, they finish their superhero for the evening the sun's coming up, uh, Damien looks at John. John looks at Damien uh, Damien, this is, this is the first time I've liked Damien, I have to say, this is the first time I've liked Damien, it's because you, you break through all his bullshit you know, being raised as an assassin, you know, and the the pressure of being Batman's son, you know, and all of this this stuff that he feels he you know, and he says, Hey, all that crap you went through, you got home, you did that you know, and uh you know, they realise that nothing's changed and just before he leaps off the uh, leaps off the uh the building, he leaps back and he gives John a hug. <laughs> you know, and then leaps off the building and uh, and that so uh, it's just a lovely 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 story uh, John returns to Fortress of Solitude says goodbye to his father uh, you know and, and effectively leaves but leaving Superman with a with a Legionnaire uh, coin that allows him to summon John home at any time you know so so yeah it's pretty uh, pretty great issue That's really really, really yeah
1: Bendis just excels at that totally does He's dealing yeah. with like these super powered Gods, but he always gets the humanity. Oh and, yeah, like, those little moments. Yeah, just and really.
2: it's it's just right there as as John's leaving. It just says "love you, Dad." Superman goes "love you more." He goes "that's completely impossible." <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, it's got me looking forward to uh, to the Legion <coughs> stuff. The first issue was out today. Yeah, so. they've, they've tied off all that stuff really well. Yeah. leading up to Legion superheroes. Uh, I just reread the the two. Hard uh, of leads superheroes Millennium last night.
3: Yes, and it read yeah. very
0: well together as one. I almost think they should have just done one large one shot leading into. Yeah, it. Yeah. But uh, no, it was a it was a good read. I'm the same. I'm looking forward to Legion of Superheroes because it's not really a, it's a not part of the DC universe. universe no. I know much no. about either. So, but Bendis has. I mean, Bendis did some great work at at Marvel
2: with you know uh, the Ultimate stuff, the Ultimate Spider-Man stuff, yeah. um, with the Avengers stuff, and uh, leading up to. Uh, God, I can't remember what was the name of the story. Um, not Avengers No More, uh, that was Spider-Man, disassembled. Avengers Disassembled, you know, all of that stuff. And um, I think what he's doing, I mean, it, I don't know if you
0: agree, but it really feels like he has cornered, he has taken a corner of the DC Universe. Oh, absolutely. Or given a corner of the DC he's Universe. He's doing something what? very similar with what Donny Cates is doing at um, Marvel. He's yeah. not trying to take over everything, but he's definitely got his own little corner he's where lots of things pads, are... Yeah, are uh, uh, um, because he obviously had his Wonder Comic stuff with Young Justice, which is linked then to Superman, which is linked then to action, uh-huh. which is linked to Event Leviathan, which is linked to Legion Superheroes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, no, his stuff, um, and it's, it sells well as well, and people seem to be really digging yeah. it. So, yeah. he's, he's definitely a bit of it's, it's a weird thing to say, I suppose, with Bendis now, but he's definitely more one of the old school voices. Yes, you know, yeah. yeah. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, cool. That was uh, Superman 16. Uh, just couple of quick mentions this week uh, I know you've been looking forward to Cobra Kai oh yeah, I've been, I have been. don't know if you've been watching the
2: TV show, have you seen the YouTube TV show? No. Well
1: it, I've got a lot of time so yeah, I'll get into oh, you're going to watch I and read so much Twin, Twin Peaks also, Alan has told me to watch. So. I would
2: say that, uh, that Cobra Kai is probably my favourite series of the year, um, the, the first two seasons. Cobra been. Kai or Chernobyl? Oh, I Cobra Kai still maybe does it I don't know it's a tricky one two different, very different things very different. it's going to be tough yeah very very different uh, things
1: Watchmen and Gary Hadji too don't know if you've watched that on BBC it's fantastic uh,
2: it's but Cobra Kai uh, the, the gist of the TV show is it's the continuation of the Karate Kid 1984 Karate Kid story 30 years later uh, Johnny Lawrence the bad guy and the Karate Kid the blonde kid and the black guy uh, who, who uh, was kicked in the face by Daniel the bad guy, Daniel <laughs> Larusso, and we've got Larusso. You know, so Johnny's a bomb. Thirty years later, you know, he reopens Cobra Kai dojo. Larusso effectively says, "Not in my watch, not in my valley." You know what I mean? And uh, and it goes from there. But it's a really good. It's a it, you know it, it reignites that this childhood rivalry that these two have continues thirty years later. You know, and but it's and it's a very very tongue in cheek. It knows its audience. It knows what it is. Uh, it's a very very good show. Uh, Johnny's totally out of touch you know with modern life and uh, you know it''s it's, it's very it, it effectively makes Johnny into the protagonist. What this series does, I think it's four issues uh, by um, by Denton J. Tipton and uh, Kagan McLeod on art. Uh, and this is the Credit Kid Saga continues. It's Johnny's story. Um, you know you've seen it all on the internet you know the the idea that Daniel was the villain of Credit Kid. <laughs> yeah, you've seen that. You know, yeah, that he used yeah. an illegal move that he stole Johnny's girlfriend, you know, and so forth. That's what this is. That that is the story <laughs> told, that's the credit card story told through Johnny's eyes. So and they they uh, you know, Johnny's abused by his his father uh, back in the, the early days in nineteen seventy nine and uh, obviously he was abused by uh by Sensei Kreese, you know, who was the who was the sensei of Cobra Kai Dojo and abusive Git, you know. Um but they they bookend it with the Cobra Kai series, you know. So we see Johnny's early days. You see him standing outside as a as a gangly, I guess, ten year old outside the Cobra Kai dojo in the valley, and then we <coughs> segue to two thousand eighteen when we see the older Johnny talking to his students about you know what inspired him, you know, and uh, and that, and then we go back to June nineteen eighty two uh, and the cinema and uh, and and Johnny is is with. Um, God, what do you call her? Uh, his girlfriend at the time, um, but anyway, uh, and effectively, it's 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 before the All Valley Championship. It's before Daniel comes to the Valley, and then we see all of these things from from Johnny's point of view, the point of view that Johnny was an abused child, the point of you know, just different. You see, just just a different view of things. It's really <laughs> interesting, you know. Really, uh, really kind of cool how annoyed he gets that that uh, that Daniel is, is dancing with his girl down in the beach, and you know what happens. Is that they replay a whole lot of the karate kids. So it's
1: a lot of just looking at it from a different. Yes, perspective. exactly.
2: It's it's perspective is everything. You know, you see that that really classic scene on the beach where where Daniel hassles where Johnny hassles Daniel, but we see it from the other way around. Daniel Johnny's yeah. just using his karate skills to defend himself. You know, and it's very very cool looking at and from the position of 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 where it's. Uh, you know of where it's con- gone to in the Cobra Kai series so if you enjoyed Cobra Kai you're really going to enjoy this my name was Johnny Lawrence I was a snivelling punk until I found Cobra Kai and Sensei Kreese turned me into a fearless warrior now I'm setting the record straight up it really happened in 1984 <laughs> so it's very very good stuff yeah. uh, Ali, this is got- Ali, that's it Elizabeth yeah. Shue it was Elizabeth Shue yeah and I think there's a chance that Elizabeth Shue may be
0: reappearing in oh, Cobra really? Kai oh really? Okay. Um, oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, she was very good in The Boys Yes, yeah, still yeah, she sure. was yeah, yeah. Um, yeah cool uh, yeah, Cobra Kai, that was the the first issue, I mean, Keith's been looking forward to that for a while uh, one title I just wanted to throw a little bit of love out for because I think this is going to be a really interesting one trade wise as well there's this little series called Coffinbound uh, it is written by Dan Waters with uh, art by Danny um, Dan Waters was one of the writers in, yeah, in the, the Sinister,
2: house, cursed, of
1: sinister cursed house of Things,
0: Cavill of yeah. House, Secrets of Sinister House. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting, just because I'd said the Roddy, obviously, with him being off work uh, for a little while, and I'd highly recommend watching Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks is my personal favourite TV show of all time. And Coffinbound is like the most lynching comic book I've ever read. It has lynchian. Is that a word? Lynchian is a word. It's right, uh, okay. it basically descri- mm-hmm. It was. It was coined know, in. I don't the, know if I like that. Lynchian was coined in the nineties. That basically it was just Hollywood's web of was weird like because Dickensian? of blue velvet. Exactly. So sort of things, I things think, like I think Lynchian was called. It was coined in two thousand nineteen November. Round this table. <laughs> <laughs> I think that. No, I'm oh, I tell you, <laughs> doubting me, <laughs> <laughs> doubting me. Anyway, continue. Sorry. Sorry. So for Lynchian, they define the term as characteristic, reminiscent, or imitative of the works of David Lynch. Righto. Uh, Lynch got, is it's noted for an urban
1: dictionary entry here. Like <laughs> uh,
0: it's actually the Oxford Dictionary, believe it or whoa, not. Yeah, whoa, true go, story. Dude. There you go. It's for real, man. <laughs> but in fairness, the Oxford English Dictionary also added Tarantino-esque to its uh, dictionary. So <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, but anyway. So uh, with coffin bound, it is a series, as I say, Danny, Dan Waters and Danny it's still even hard three issues in to tell you exactly what it's about um but it's some of the weirdest stuff i've ever read but it really leaves an impression on you
1: i've seen danny's art it looks really cool it's
0: really strange and dreamlike and surreal and it was one of those ones and there's a book we'll come to later as well immortal hulk 25 which was very surreal and Again, I'm still not fully sure I fully understand (laughs) the whole issue, but it definitely left an impression with me, and that's what Coffin Bound's like. I mean, I'll give you what the blurb was for the third issue, which was Champagne, Bloodshed, Uncomfortable Silences. In the clutches of the unstoppable assassin they call the Earth Eater, Izzy must break free to rescue those she once cared for from the hands of a murderous poet, Polly. But once they learn of their past sins, will she want her to save them? Uh, it's just gonna be a four issue mini in total I think the trade of it is gonna be a one of those sort of cult hits um just really really cool stuff is it separate uh, separate stories no, no 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 it, it follows it's got a through line of one character called Izzy right. um and she's basically being chased by this unstoppable killer called the Earth theater anytime the earth theater gets announced in it his name's all in capitals with exclamation mark it's as I say it's all very surreal and weird and in the best possible way and look at that Rob Williams the writer reviewed it as saying a Lynchian crime chase (laughs) desert noir fever dream with it's own messed up internal logic
1: Uh, I'm already tired of the word
0: Lynchian yeah (laughs) (laughs) but uh, yeah when it comes to uh, that's quite a good review for it actually like finding a weird Alex Cox meets uh, Joe Wardarski road movie you didn't know existed Damn. So, yeah, it's one I'll definitely uh, push a wee bit when it comes to trades, just for people to share in its weirdness. Um, Okay. But from the surreal and the weird to Marvel's best number one of the year,
1: maybe? maybe. Flip Flippers, some competition.
0: Yeah, absolutely there is. There is, but this is Keith's pick, because we are now on to the uh, 16th of October. Week three. Week three of five. Uh, And my... Pick, uh, which uh,
2: Alan has also read, and Roddy has just finished reading the the prelude to it, yeah. uh, is X Men One by uh, Jonathan Hickman, who is shepherding
0: this corner of the Marvel Universe now, and Lionel Francis U. Um, so what Keith and I are going to do is we're going to act out the entire issue. Because Keith hasn't, uh, because Roddy hasn't read it. Sounds good to so me. So here we go. So
1: <laughs> then, <laughs> deep open
0: your eyes. Okay. No, so it is a brave new world. Uh, mutants around
2: the world are flocking to the island nation of Krakoa for safety, security, and to be part of the first mutant nation, standing between that sacred land and the human world. of the heroes of mutantdom, the X-Men? So uh, yeah, the story. The story starts, I guess, back in. Uh, mm. Good night. Uh, back in year. Uh, if we're taking parts of X, is the is the roundup? It was it was year. Yeah, so it was year X one, X1, yeah, yeah. So I think that you know back in X one and are close to it, somewhere between there and the X ten, and we've got uh, Charles Xavier. Cyclops is really, clearly been a student of Charles for a while, and Charles has just crafted his ruby ruby quartz lenses for him in order that he can that he can see without blasting the hell out of everything. So um, what I really like,
0: first of all, just to throw in quickly is we're now three books deep in the X books at this point so X-Men then Marauders then Excalibur what I really like is the X-Men is such a massive diverse range of characters what they do is they essentially introduce the cast at the start of each book Yeah, and and I really like that
1: it's kept the same structure as House and Powers with all the Kind of back matter, the Kricolan the Kricolan language,
2: yeah. which, yes, it has, yeah, cool, uh, and that that has that's happened through the other two books as well. So, oh, right, yeah, oh, nice. um, cool. So, yeah, we've got uh, Cyclops, Storm, Polaris, Magneto, uh, Doctor Cecilia Reyes, Jean Grey, Havoc, Vulcan, Wolverine, Cable, Prestige, and Corsair. Most of the people in these, most of the mutants on this page, are Summerses, uh, as in members of the Summers family. Mm-hmm. Uh, corsair being uh cyclops and havoc's father um gene gray being um i guess involved with cyclops um vulcan being the lost summer's brother cable being Cyclops' son and prestige being rachel summers uh cyclops and jeans alternate earth uh daughter so mostly mostly summers and Corsair being, I think I said the father and also starjaember so a lot, lot of summers a lot of summers. Um but anyway we've got uh, we've got uh, storm magneto Cyclops um, and that we begin there they're assaulting an orcus stronghold orcus are they uh, are they, the human um, I guess the the anti mutant human faction made up of members of em members of shield. Members of Alpha Flight, yeah, if you remember, they were the ones in in House of X and Powers of X who built the the, the master mold satellite, the mother yeah, mold. Yeah. Um, so uh, so yeah, and uh, really, they're totally outmatched. The the bad guys are totally outmatched by Cyclops, uh, Storm, uh, Magneto, and his daughter Polaris. Um, some really really good stuff here, um, and pushing pushing the story forward again. Uh, through the humans' use of uh, hyper evolution or, or devolution in order to do certain things, um, and yet all links to all links to what they're doing, what they, what happened in, in House of X and uh, forced mutation and all sorts of stuff. But anyway, uh, the X Men are undertaking what they what they were born to do: they're rescuing mutants and taking them back home to the end of Krakoa. Um, and um, on the end of Grakoa we see Magneto hailed as a hero Uh, we see what happens to these young mutants whenever they're first first brought back to the mutant nation state Uh, how they're checked over and and, you know how the place is found for them we learn a little more about the about the portals uh, and so forth and so on and we find that uh, uh, you know we find that uh, Scott has uh, has really made use of. I'm not not going to too much about what's going on with Orcas and so forth and so on, and the Omega Sentinel. But Scott has taken the fact that they can grow a habitat, you know, mutant habitat anywhere to heart, and has set up the summer house mutant habitat on the moon because he wanted somewhere with a view. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's it's great. So that say so the Summers the Summers family seem to live in this in this habitat. Uh, Corsair, who's the leader of the Starjammers. Um, the Starjammers seem to be visiting. Um, they they seem to have grown a portal on uh, the Starjammers the Starjammer, which is the Starjammers ship, so that Corsair's dad can visit them anytime they want. You know, no matter where he is about the galaxy. Um, it's interesting to see how the Summers family have uh, have come about in this new. Soft reboot, you know. So Vulcan's very much part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of history there. Uh, there's a really interesting uh, young cable. So young cable. It's not cable. It's, it's young cable. So after the Ed ex- Brice's extermination series, old cable was killed and replaced by. It was killed by young cable and replaced by young cable, and that remains, which is why I very much think that uh, Hickman's House of X and Parts of X is part of the 616 universe, absolutely part of the 616 universe so, uh, but he's uh, trading guns with uh, with Raza who is Corsair's weapons master uh, Mom, is it cool if I trade guns with Raza <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> set the table first dear <laughs> you know um, so yeah there's some really cool stuff going on going on here, Havoc and Cyclops have, have made up their differences but uh, something really interesting that Alan uh, noted to me is uh, so you can see there's still this, this back matter here it's the summer's house The uh, uh, it's elevations on the blue area of the moon which is the area that uh, used to be occupied by the inhumans I believe it's, it's an area of the moon that has oxygen on it mm-hmm. but uh, whenever you look top down at the summer house uh, there's something really interesting you see the, the kitchen the dining and the living area in the middle yeah and then you see all the various bedrooms and there's
1: That's, it's the same layout as the
2: yeah, parts of
1: uh, the Krakoa yeah, Kri- yeah. and the, the council, council? Yeah.
2: Yeah. but what's really interesting here is there's a number of different bedrooms so we've got uh, Rachel's room and, and an empty room and Cable's room uh, in, a, in a three part we've got an empty room we've got Havoc's room and Vulcan's room and then we've got Cyclops' room Wolverine's room and Jean's room mm. and uh, what's really interesting is Jean's room is in the middle and Cyclops rooms in on one side, Wolverine's rooms on the other side, and they're the only rooms that have yep. doors between them. <laughs> so I wonder is this how Cyclops
0: and Wolverine have settled
1: differences?
0: Settled who?
2: Yeah. Oh, I
1: see, yeah. <laughs> there, was
0: a really, I see. there was a really interesting tweet John, Jonathan Inkman put out months ago. It was when he was advertising House of X1. Yeah. And he was like saying, you know, a group of crows is a murder, uh, you know blah 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 is this a group of mutants is an orgy and he said this months ago and then this is the only Then and this is the kind of subtlety that I think is rewarded when you start going into this deep because I would imagine there's people who read the likes of X-Men and House of X who probably skip past a lot of this stuff they just go I just want to read the comic yeah. Um but this is great world building
2: and such is
1: the beauty of the the work and the medium that
2: yeah. he yeah. can do this. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know, it's sort of I thought it I thought it struck me as strange whenever I look at the floor plan and everybody else, as I say, is a member of the Summers family, Cyclops, Gene, Vulcan, Havoc, Cable and Rachel. Wolverine is the only one up <laughs> there who <really> isn't. <laughs> you know, so it's uh, yeah, it's interesting. There's there's something going on if you remember the uh do you remember the the doctor in the House of X three who lost her uh, who lost her husband yes, uh, on the uh, satellite? Yeah. Well, there's something going on there. I don't uh, in, in this story and her her thing saying she knows how to bring him back. You know, but yeah, really interesting stuff. Uh, interesting. Really, really great. You know, so the two the two X books that are written by Hickman are X Men, yeah, and New Mutants. So I'd say they're going to so. be so.
1: Francis Yu is on this one yeah are RB Silva and Pepe Larraz I gone I remember something
0: Alan. sorry I do beg your pardon uh, RB Silva and Pepe Larraz are, are they, they on any of the X books I don't think so is, no? I think they were just in house and parts
2: um, my my only worry my worry here is of course that uh, Lionel Francis Yu maybe won't stick around for long Yeah. on this uh, there there's he's got a, a bit of a he's had a bit of a habit of late over the last few years of being on books for a short time and then moving on, yeah, uh, which would be a bit of a shame. Um, it is, yeah. So, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I mean, he did do a, a massive run on. Was it Cable? Years and years ago, he had a very mm-hmm. long run on that. But um,
0: anyway, uh, X Men One, the first of the uh, Dawn of X books. Cool. Um, yeah, that's interesting because just like the reading order for House and Powers you have a reading order in the back of this, and it is essentially saying. You gotta get
1: them all. <laughs> well, one, that's our list. This is one big story.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, awesome. It
2: doesn't say reading order. It says coming soon. Yeah. So it's not it's, saying.
1: My worry when I read House and Powers and heard about X Men was, is it just gonna relaunch into it, or are those or House and Powers gonna be like integral to this book going they, forward?
2: They are, and they are absolutely integral. Very They're, much the, so. The entire. I mean, we're going to do a, a book club on, on yeah. House of X and Powers of X, but certainly the first three books that have come out, being yeah. X-Men, Marauders and Excalibur, the
0: that the they've all jumped on the ideals
1: of absolutely. House of and Powers of Krakoa, yeah. of oh,
2: okay.
0: the three rules they set up uh, for Krakoa. Um, yeah, the, the,
2: the governing body. I mean, Hickman has left so many threads dangling and things to be picked up, and, uh, and he's also left a massive... Uh, Base for stuff to be built on, mm. and I think I mean I honestly think that's. what, I mean the the X Men after the franchise after what happened with them and then humans and and Fox movies and you know the movie studio owning them and, and and all of that stuff. Marvel had more or less sort of abandoned the X Men, you know, and the work that the work that Matthew Rosenberg did, you know, on the the the, the previous books, you know, he. Obviously, I mean, he did a great job, but it was just sort of peddling water until this came about because this has obviously been in the planning for ages. Yep. But Marvel have gone, listen, we need someone to do something with the X Men because they should be a flagship, you know, mm-hmm. of the company. And with what Hickman's done here, the X Men could be their own separate company, I think. And you they know, are, yeah. I mean,
1: with Cyclops at the forefront, by the looks of it, yeah, which is well, even yeah, more that's interesting. That's where Cyclops yeah. should be,
2: you know. Yeah. Absolutely. And what do they call them? The The captains, the great captains? Mm-hmm. The the four great captains that lead Cats Cyclops being one of those. You know, that leads in times. Yeah, so good it's great stuff. Brilliant. Very very impressed so far. Yep. yeah, I don't think yeah, cool. don't think you should, you need to have that worry. I don't think the status um, quo can I think it's so ingrained, I don't think it can be reset without like some real work to do that.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah. You almost just don't want it to be like Another ongoing, you want to know it has a destination at the end of it,
2: yeah. I, well, I don't know that I don't know and that it, it doesn't, yeah. I
0: don't know that it does necessarily, but I know Hickman said he has a two year plan for the X Men, yeah, yeah, so he has okay. a minimum. So we're what two and a half months into that because that's the other thing. Because <laughs> <Yeah>, we <laughs> well, House and Power's what was so great about them, and obviously, we'll talk about it at a later day. But what's so great about them was the release scheduling 12 mm-hmm. weeks, 12 issues, didn't miss a beat. Um, I mean, given the sheer variety and wealth of ideas there, it felt like you were reading that title mm. for six months. Yes, well, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. But it was actually just giving you a week after week after yeah. week. And um, so. there's no there's no way that they can now easily just go back to,
2: you know, the X Men and living in the mansion in Grey Malcolm Lane at the school of gifted youngsters playing baseball in the back garden. They just <laughs> so they can't they can't they can't do yeah. it. Like yeah. it's just they're so far gone from that now that to to reset that would be
0: a tricky. Yeah. yeah it really would. Um but yeah, yeah no I was massively cool. impressed with X-Men as well. So um yeah, very very strong start for that. Um we in the title coming up next. I know you were teetering between two for this.
1: We in the title?
0: We in the title, you know. Yeah. We in um, title from that well, um, I guess um that unknown writer. Shall
1: we no, we'll, we'll go for this first and then we'll get to our honourable mentions in a wee bit. How about that? No, that sounds good. Sure, um, sure. So for me it was a choice between two Boom titles, give you a wee hint. Um, I decided to go for this um, and it's called Something is Killing the Children. Uh, it's written by James the IV, upcoming writer of Batman and artist is Werther Delerdera. And Michael so, Muerto does the colors.
2: This is the second issue of the series. We'll second
1: issue, we're none the wiser as to what is killing the children. Um, well, it's something. Something, but we are we're back in Archer's Peak. Um, but we are introduced to somebody new, Tommy. Tommy, and he is his sister has gone missing. The younger sister, I think. Yeah, yeah. his mum is worried about him. There's a nice wee scene where. He's going to work, obviously trying to support the family, and she says, "Can you take, um, it's
2: like leaflets? Leaflets,
1: yeah, missing, missing. Obviously, the sister's missing, so it's a missing child leaflet for her." And uh, he doesn't want to, but she's like, "Oh yeah, it'd really mean a lot if you took them." And he's like, "Okay, we'll do that." So he goes off to work.
2: So there's an interesting scene where he, you know, he's, he's a bit just getting in the car and he hears this noise, you know and he looks around and he says hello and the creature the the creature the, the 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 horrible multi-eyed demonic blood dripping creature is sort of standing standing behind the car and he's like is anybody there like he doesn't see it yeah you know the yeah. kids see it but the adults maybe don't see it or so something. there's
1: some questions are answered but you're given more questions mm. you're like so the kids can see it but maybe adults can
2: yeah and we can see it, yeah. and then it's funny. You turn over, and then there's this double-page spread. Something is killing yeah. their
1: children! Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's your pre credit scene
1: there, yeah. and then you're...
0: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly
2: you it. You almost so. imagine
1: there's, like, a, a noise here, and that's it for the theme song. Um, or, like, scratching at the walls or something. But, yeah, um, so we return. We These two characters meet when we find... Apple Beams Jessica is Jessica or no Erica Slaughter turns up Eric to Applebeams yeah, where yeah. Johnny works and there's there's like some really really nice really funny dialogue to it I don't yeah. know if you want to would you Which say she's, is, go ahead I was going to say is a Lynchian enough for Alan <laughs> I don't know cause could be because I know it's Twin Peaks small town uh, I mean services. Erica's now
0: hanging out with the the, the surviving
1: kid of the it? recent slaughter yeah Yeah. You'll
0: understand when you watch it, rather. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: And she just... Effectively, what she wants, 50 bucks a day, in your pocket. She'll sit at this table. This table is going to be her office. You know? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, it's cool. You know? But uh, there's another manager on Thursdays. She says, cool, I'll stay clear on Thursdays.
1: Yeah, there's some really... Erika, you're still not really sure what to make of her as a character, but there's some really nice interactions with uh, James. Mm-hmm. Um, there's hints that uh, the boy who died, James, sort of fancied him, but it wasn't reciprocated.
3: Yeah. Um, mm-hmm.
1: So she's she's got her methods and seems like she's opening herself up a little bit more. Mm. But turn the page and.
2: We see a little bit of her history. You're acting like you've done this kind of thing before, and we see her doing a lot of this kind of thing before.
1: (laughs) Like, it's almost like it's second nature to her. Yeah, it's her job. Yeah. Yeah, Um, I've
2: done this kind of thing before. Mm -hmm.
1: But yeah, then we have... um, There's a lot of gossiping with uh, James and his... Or Tommy and his co-worker. And we get through it. Then there's a lot of... There's more mystery... Eric is trying to go through a map and see who, where the bodies have been found, and then uh, Tommy butts in, and there's sort of like a fight ensues.
2: I think what it is, is, is he suddenly realises that, that she is looking about these kids, and one yeah. of those kids is his sister, and, you know, he gets a little aggro, and, you know, about, about that uh involvement with with the kid and she had the, her and her and kid erica and james end up getting tossed out of the uh tossed out of the the Applebees or the yeah. Applebeans as it's called
1: we yeah. uh we should say that just reminded me there as she sets up her uh office in apple she puts on the desk a strange looking octopus type like a like teddy bear a, like a or something animal. yeah, yeah um and she says don't ask about the octopus that's and he's like what what am i allowed to ask about which is kind of like how you feel as a reader you know there's a lot of mystery going on here um and then towards the end of the book it takes an even more bizarre turn um must say the art is gorgeous here um really really gorgeous looking book um yeah, so Erica's obviously staying in a motel, uh, she missed a call, and then...
2: Yeah, she takes the octopus out, puts it in her bed, and uh, and whenever she's all alone, and then she starts talking to it, uh, and, and then it answers. <laughs> stuffed octopus <laughs> which is with is button eye, you know. Uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. Um, great, great book, great, great second, uh, great second issue. Yeah, just so part of the great yeah. stuff boom is putting out at the moment yeah boom boom you wouldn't really have looked at sideways for a while there yeah uh, mm-hmm. but now we're
0: looking at something that's killing the children we're strange looking skies over east Berlin skies, wants a future <coughs> we're looking at um There's one folk lords coming out soon looks very good yeah It's one that hit this week the magicians I'm looking forward folk to tucking into right yeah uh-huh. um, so they're um, boom
2: are doing the, uh, the no it's I ID- do no, it's Boom, isn't it?
3: Yeah.
1: And the Firefly stuff. Yeah. So Power Rangers, they've got all their licenses, but they also have the...
0: And they're attracting great, yeah. great people, you know. I, mean, I Jesus. Town, actually, if you look at that, I'm actually getting quite a few Boom books. Yeah. That <laughs> crept up on me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing I'm definitely getting a lot of are DC books. And no. surprising. No, it's Ooh. shocking. Nobody. <laughs> it's shocking, I know, but this was uh my pick for the week of the sixteenth um is sort of a new imprint almost for DC. They are one-shot um one-shot issues that are teals from the Dark Multiverse. This obviously comes off the back of Dark Knight's Metal and everything that Scott Schneider set up with the Dark Multiverse. What these essentially seem to be, to me, in all but name, are Elseworlds. Yes, they're just they're, they're alternate yeah. takes on classic stories. Though, though they're not just alternate takes. They,
2: because we know that the the dark multiverse is that is the, the dark reflection of our own universe. Yeah, it truly these are, exists yeah, yeah, and that's where the the Batman who laughs comes from. You know, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And well, that's what, it. What these are, therefore, are dark reflections of the stories that. We, we know or you know
0: yeah um you know well that's it I mean this um this one was uh, the first one to launch it is Batman Nightfall uh, which is written by the rather great team of Scott Schneider and Kyle Higgins uh, Kyle Higgins is someone who's writing I think you would enjoy Keith here a lot of the Nightwing in New 52 oh. um, something I, I intend to get into at a time the Grayson stuff that uh, yeah. uh, Tom King wrote and the but uh, this kicks off with just a quick uh, explanation, a quick sort of recap of how the Batman Who Laughs came about. You know, in the dark multiverse, Batman kills the Joker, but the Joker had this plan that when, as soon as he died, it would re- it would release Joker toxin, which would then corrupt Batman. Because he knew Batman would be the person that would ultimately kill him, um, therefore getting his final joke on him. Um, you get a quick recap of the story as we know it when it comes to Nightfall. And there's uh, that character, Tempest Fuginot again, yep. who appeared in Flash Forward, didn't he? And yeah, and he seems to also introduce all of these titles. He introduces the second one as well, which is The Death of Superman. He's He reminds me a little bit of The Watcher. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, but yeah, again, we're giving a brief recap of the classic. Um, Nightfall story, which was, of course, the story where Bane essentially broke out every supervillain from Arkham, uh, with the intention being that if he broke them all out, he knew Batman would basically tear himself out, tracking them all down, getting them all back to Arkham, and then when he was at his lowest point, he would break the bat and therefore take over Gotham. Uh, In the story as we know it, that happens, and then Jean Paul Valley becomes Batman's successor. Uh, He sort of treats the mantle of the bat in a slightly different way to how bruce did it where well, uh, like, um, yeah. he it with holy like fervor yeah yeah he's uh very happy to kill he's very happy to cripple he he wants to bring justice but at the same time he goes over the top with it uh, bruce ends up coming back and reassuming the mantle of the bat and the status quo is uh, preserved but you turn the page in this, and you go from that classic story to the Azrael of this world putting a giant gauntlet spike through Batman, and uh, essentially saying to him that I'm what Gotham needs, and I'll show you. And then it just takes this massive time jump, thirty years. I, I love that little nod there of Azrael standing on the building. That's a nod to a very classic Jim Lee cover, um, with Batman just looking out over the city. And he, he appears to like burn Gotham down and spend 30 years
3: essentially rebuilding it
0: yeah I mean he's even taken over you know Bruce Wayne's house you know it's now called the Dumas home formerly Wayne Manor um but yeah he's absolutely no problem uh killing people going over the top but if anyone steps out of line um you know, going to any means necessary. He's even using what looks like some of Bane's venom there to um, keep himself whole, going whole, as he's yeah, older. Yeah, this is 30 years later and he still he seems to be, as you say venom, seems to be very much... But this is where it got really dark. You haven't read this yet, Raleigh, have you? Nope. nope. Right, so... I did.
1: Keith had the page turned.
0: Oh, sorry. <laughs> there's a slight hesitation to ruin it for you, but... If, no,
1: if no, go p- ahead. Go ahead for our so listeners.
0: So, you basically, um, you then go to Wayne Tarr and Azrael's talking to someone he says the end of the third Sunday during the last summer month a constant of our time together and yet today I wonder will this be the day that everything changes will this be the, fa- the day you finally admit the truth Bruce <laughs> and he's essentially keeping Bruce Wayne alive with his head his torso his brain in what looks to be essentially a jar and he's hooked up again to all this venom and stuff and Bruce is able to converse and talk and feel pain and it's almost like this is the ultimate sort of evil thing Azrael could do is keep Bruce alive to see what he's doing to his city. Um, it's so dark, yeah, <laughs> like, it was dark I, yeah. I was reading this going like Schneider is clearly having fun with this um, but what actually then happens is that a new threat arrives to Azrael's um rule, and that is Bane's daughter and she um she teams up with Bruce. And basically forges this suit for him, so that he can actually fight. Um, you know, you know, she escapes with him first of all by basically carrying him on her back, you know, torso on his back, and all this kind of stuff. Bane's son? Uh, no, it's uh, Ben's daughter. Is it not? I thought it was Ben's daughter. Um, but. Uh, Oh, really? is this I sun, yeah, it is a Yeah, it's a sun. I thought it was a, anyway. Anyway, yes. I uh, I, I I don't like to assume genders in my comic books. Um, so yeah, just uh, the it, it just got a really, really, really dark, really, really fun. It it's something that you get to um, just have complete freedom in these sorts of stories, but you still get to hit a lot of those familiar beats. I mean, essentially, at the end of this, even though Azrael has cut off. Bane's sons uh, Arm he's still able to do that classic breaking of the back um, and sort of take back the city and all this kind of stuff but it's just it's just dark stuff fun stuff I'm, I'm a big lover of one shot stories um, and again this is the proper size so even Keith picked it up yep. uh, so uh, it's not Black Label is it? it's not no man and
1: they're, they're chunkier they're
0: chunker. 56 pages yeah. square um, bound Squarebound prestige essentially, um, and it ends it ends on a dark note as well. I must about must take as dark. that one yeah. up actually. It didn't.
1: That was Scott Snyder's. I mean. Yeah,
0: just really good fun. There're gonna be five of these at least. So you've got Nightfall, you've got Death of Superman, which I just read, which again is suitably dark. Um, good, Darkest
1: Night.
0: It was it was good. I mean. it to me, I prefer Nightfall, but I think it's a case of if you're a Batman fan, you'll get more from this because there's so many nods. Yeah, mm-hmm. If you're a Superman fan, you'll get more from Death of uh, Superman because yeah. there's so many nods. Yeah, as you say, Blackest Night is one of them. Blackest Night, uh, in Infinite, Crisis. Infinite Crisis, and The Judas Contract is going yeah, to be the other one. Cool. But what's cool as well, DC, in a rare spate of actual good releasing, what they're doing is they're releasing these uh, Dark Multiverse tales at the same time as a dollar comic reprint mm-hmm. of the story they're based upon. So you can sort of have the two side by yeah. side. Um, but yeah, highly yeah. recommend this stuff. Just really, really... Yeah, um, I really enjoyed it. Really good storytelling. Uh, and I should have thrown out a bit of love there as well for Javier Fernandez, the artist, uh, because the book is pretty gorgeous as well. And it, it is that trick of, whenever you're
2: doing stuff like this, it's that trick of of telling the story with a theme that you want while still hitting hitting the the story beats
0: that people are familiar with on the yeah. original story, so it's, it's really well done. Nicely nicely twisted. Yeah. Cool. Um, but yes the, uh, the the Death of Superman one is very good as well. Uh, so yeah, so that was uh, the week of the sixteenth. Couple of honourable mentions. Uh, the one that was so close for Roddy other than something that's killing the children was that other excellent boom title.
1: What's in Future number three from Kieran Gillen, Dan Mora and Tamra Bon Villain
2: name just say bomb villain it's fine yeah, it. um, yeah We're all thinking it. that was uh, Once in Future 3 has just been has been fantastic um, it's
1: just like blissfully entertaining isn't it like with the characters just continue to excite.
2: Yeah, they've now pulled uh, the girl. The they've now pulled Duncan's it? Yeah. Duncan's or his dates uh, uh, his not date. Not even a girlfriend. The, yeah. From the field, uh, yeah, because the field
0: date at the start. Doesn't his grandmother say something like, "Oh, they're they're telling their story already, as if it was inevitable <laughs> she would be involved"? And um, I mean, yeah, we're to give you some sort of context. This number one's off the seventh print, which I got in this week. It's already sold out of the seventh print in, in our store, anyway. <laughs> so people are obviously hearing about this title and talking about it and getting involved in it.
1: It's um, great to see, like, not, not they're not just ending it after one print. They want this public in people's hands, people like, like, you
2: know. absolutely. A um, couple of great, uh, couple of great lines here. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, again, I think someone said. That the the Gran is one of the best characters in, in comics at the minute. She's absolutely fantastic. So
1: I could agree with that. She can't, she can't
2: she yeah. can't run, you know. She was like, I used to be so much better at this. Duncan <laughs> Duncan picks her up, you know. He's in a heroic moment, you know. Picks her up and grabs over the shoulder, and she's already planted explosives. She hits the button, <laughs> bang! Uh, they they bolt out of the fire and. Uh, He's, why am I tasting seasoning? What the hell was in that thing? (laughs) She's a bit of this, a bit of that, meteoric iron, sea salt, garlic, silver filings, wolf's bane, and so on. Oh, and high explosive. Um, He's like, what? He goes, can never be sure what you're going to be facing up against in this line of work, so you spread your bet. It's like, how do you kill a vampire deer? A stake through the heart, yes. And a stake through the heart kills lots of things. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I guess the. uh, um, our uh, what do you call her? Mother of the the lady behind the um, Claire is her name. Lady behind the raising of of King Arthur. Mm-hmm. Uh, things went badly wrong. The Anglo Saxons were the ones that uh, Arthur wanted rid of from Celtic Britain. You know, so he offed more or less everybody, and uh, now they're. Now Arthur's off, sort of gaining his knights and uh, and finding his his Galahad uh, presented to presented to him by a mother. But yeah, great book, absolutely brilliant. Uh, they find themselves in Bath Abbey, and uh, yeah, things are things are just going from bad to worse as um, as as Arthur King Arthur uh, gains power. Uh, the Undead King Arthur games power and is presented with his Galahad. So. Uh, and there, there, there's a, a forthcoming finding of the Grail to be happening and all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, very, very good. I think if you liked Indiana Jones, but maybe something with a wee bit more of a supernatural
0: bent to it, you would probably really enjoy this. Yeah. Yeah. Even, it's a bit of a weird thing to say, but even the back of the boom titles are quality. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They sort of have little taglines or um, little symbols the title i don't know it's just something about them yeah, they've up their up their well, game in the terms book, of yeah, quality yeah. Uh, I, I would so. say
2: yeah i think you're i think you're right they definitely have up their their game um Spider-Man 2 by uh, the by J.J. Abrams and uh, Henry Abrams, Sarah Pachelli, at art
0: uh, has been going really well on yeah, thought was issue it? 2 was very good i thought it was interesting how they've brought the villain back out of hiding so to speak because they saw pursuing Spider-Man uh, and
2: yeah. Peter Parker's son yeah. who who is sort of slowly but surely stepping into his father's shoes his father's shoes in a very different way uh, in a very uh, yeah very very good uh, there's real threat here as well yeah um uh, and it's interesting to see what what Peter Parker has become in this alternate history and who his sons becoming uh, very very good indeed yeah that was that was that was a sort of a touch and go one is this going to be any any good is, is this just you know Yeah, yeah. It's the first two issues have been great.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of a case of with uh, Marvel, there's always one more Spider-Man title. With DC, there's always one more Batman title. Yeah, yeah. And you always are questioning: Do we really need another one? Yeah, yeah. But these characters endure and are so malleable that you do end up reading nearly all of them. You know, Um, Um, I quite enjoyed actually Spider-Man Full Circle. Yeah,
2: Uh, when I ended up, yeah, that was as you said, it was nearly a commando challenge. Yeah, uh, where there was sets of creative teams and they effectively picked it up where the other creative team had dropped it off, it off and they didn't know who that team were but they knew how it ended Yeah, and it went and went and went until they finally had to, you know and what was really great about it there was a few pages at the end of the email conversations between them because uh-huh. they, they all got together at the end Mark Bagley was the artist finishing it but they all got together at the end and had to talk about how they were going to finish the story yeah. so the email exchanges throughout the day uh, of
0: of how they got I think you That's would actually cool enjoy extra, that yeah. as a as a writer, Roddy, you know, so yeah, yeah pretty it's cool. That cool was. little extra. Um then just one more title I just want to throw a wee bit of love for, um although it's proven a little divisive. Uh Superman Year One came to a conclusion on the sixteenth. Um uh, not just uh dev- divisive because of the size of black label titles and all the rest, but I mean Superman Year One <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed. It's not gonna change the world. It's not gonna be this definitive run the way Dark Knight Returns is for Batman or you know that kind of thing but I thoroughly enjoyed it I thought it was a lot of fun I stand by that you should listen to the Man of Steel soundtrack as you read it uh, but I've just picked up now the trade of it as well so I'm actually going to really enjoy revisiting that at some point and then we'll just finish off the 16th by throwing out again uh, Killen's pick which was Absolute Carnage 4 uh, obviously we alluded to that as we were chatting about Immortal Hulk same game, Absolute Carnage, just tons of fun. Um, dark, supernatural horror, great art. Yeah. Fun to read, um, and a good example of how to structure an event. Uh, so, yeah, that was the 16th, so three of the five weeks down. Take it away on week four, Roddy. We're going back to the 80s again.
3: yo Joe. Cool. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, for me, I wasn't too sure if I was even going to talk about this. I wasn't... Um, I think I felt the first issue was there was something about it but I wasn't entirely sure I really liked it mm-hmm but with number two I think there was enough in it that made me go okay we're on to something here yeah Um so yeah we're back back to G.I. Joe number two written by Paul Aller art by Chris Evanhuis and Brittany Peer does the colors I love the we sum
2: up yeah. on the side the front cover there uh, this you know, oh tell, yeah yeah, yeah. What's, what's going on it's like
1: a previously on yeah, thing yeah
2: exactly exactly and yeah I mean it's the second issue and it ended it ended really well you know it's, uh, the, the whole premise of it with Cobra more or less being in charge Cobra yeah. is now the establishment Cobra is the government and, uh, Cobra is the what the
1: government has surrendered to yeah, Cobra basically, yeah, yeah exactly
2: and uh, Joe's now recruiting civilians and training them as as, as Joes in order to to fight back um, yeah, and they've
1: gone underground
2: yeah and one of our one of our beloved characters was shot dead in the first issue yeah which was was kind of harsh and it's interesting because we're seeing you know some of these characters so Roadblock you would all have assumed was a Season Joe member, but he yeah. he killed a guy in the last issue, and it was his first kill. Mm-hmm. So he's he's like a like a field member. And there's,
1: I thought it was quite nice because they have obviously we're not in the '80s cartoon area of like lasers and no lasers firing off screen, not hitting anybody, that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. There's a they make a I can't remember what page it's on, but they make a nice distinction about like Joe's talking about killing and the uh, the weight of it all. Yeah, I thought that, yeah. I thought that was a really interesting mm-hmm. topic. And um,
2: our our POV character is Tiger, who uh, in the last issue was just a
1: kid.
3: Yeah, he's uh, a little bit know. of a whine, you
1: know. He is a bit of a whine, but then he <laughs> but probably doesn't want to be here either. <laughs> but yeah, I thought um, this is this is, issue sees uh, Scarlet. So obviously she is dealing with that major death. Yeah, morning. and uh, it's about Tiger sort of trying to prove himself. They're all going through basic training yeah 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 some have been through this before obviously some haven't Tiger's up first and he uh, basically he uh, gets on the wrong side of Scarlett um, and tries to punch her but he can't land the punch and she ends up decking him like not beating yeah. the crab at yeah. him beating <laughs> the crab at him and so almost he almost has to like prove himself to the Joes already you know and it's I got more of a sense of his character in this one Yeah. Uh-huh. rather than the first one was like it sort of was like oh my, such and such died in the war or whatever but this time I got to see him like yes, really feel yeah. what and he, he was yeah, going yeah, through yeah
2: absolutely and I mean the thing is the other the other uh, trainee Jews the other civilians uh, you can see them going through various basic training uh, you know uh, weapons training and, and concealment training and all sorts of stuff meanwhile Tiger, as he's proven it, he stayed in the gym and he's trying, still trying to land a punch in Scarlett. Yeah, <laughs> you know, she's like, you, you can stop this any time, you know, and to some extent, she's working out her grief on him. Yeah, you know, know. Um, you know, he's trying to work. Yeah, as you say, he's working out his grief and just wanting to land a punch. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I've, uh, I
1: find it very endearing actually the way the the panels are laid out. It's like a six. Uh, six square panels on a page and it's it was funny but it was heartfelt as well yep. that part mm-hmm. and then it's a lot of Joes in this issue but we do have some classic uh, Cobra characters introduced is there Dr. Is Mindbender Dr. Mindbender very sinister um, Major Blood says you terrify me Mindbender the feeling is mutual blood so obviously Cobra he's a very sort of horrendous unfeeling doctor that uh is performing some as uh, he trying to
2: procedures on on the the, the character who died yeah. yeah um
1: yeah why did you shoot him in the head because he wants to like preserve and learn from it
2: and yeah i can i can retrieve his brainwaves yeah.
1: yeah pretty gruesome stuff but yeah as we go through We're introduced to Doc, who's the doctor of the Joes. They're obviously, at this point, they're sort of in at the deep end. They don't really know what they're doing. Well, they're in the deep end because they're now
2: now a terrorist organization. They're now they're they're the paramilitary organization. It's a lovely juxtaposition. Yeah, it really is. You know, so and they don't know where they're at. They don't know what's going on. They're all rocked by this. They're all uh, trying to keep going, trying to figure out what direction they're going in. Uh, We've got these new these new recruits, you know who. Uh, who don't really come together until they find out what's been going on with uh, with Scarlet and Tiger Yeah. find him back in the gym Why's he not been in the classes because he's in the gym with Tiger he's he's in bits and he's saying I just wanted to get in one punch and they're going against her and he's like against anyone and <laughs> I was, obviously you don't try and get in one punch against Scarlet because she's the best <laughs> of the best when it comes to hand, hand combat and uh, that's when uh that's when Jinx, another new recruit, steps up in his mm-hmm. stead, and uh, and then the other new recruits turn on Scarlet and yeah. they're try and get punched in. Uh, so they're all, everybody's working out something on everybody else. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know I what I mean? but we're seeing some team building in the new recruits. They all end up in the uh, they end up, all, all end up in the medic <laughs> the medic, yeah. medic bay together, <laughs> uh, and meanwhile we've got General Hawk, uh, General Hawk in the background. Uh, doing a doing a deal uh, in, order mm. and, uh, in order to try and in order to try and get to be in a position to uh, I guess fight Cobra yeah. again, and he's doing a deal with a with a character who anybody who has any time at all with G. I. Joe any experience yeah. will recognise. Uh, that was
1: that was just like absolutely mind blowing. Yeah. I love that. There's a reveal. Don't want to spoil it for anyone no. in case you're thinking of picking this title up. But I think it reminded me when you were talking about the Tales of the Dark Multiverse stuff. Yeah. Saying you've got to hit your beats, your mm-hmm. familiar beats. Yeah, yeah. I think G.I. Joe is doing I it. I think it but is. But then yeah. like turning Turn it on its head. head, yeah. So I think I that's have. a really nice touch and I'm um, I think I'm liking the art a bit more now. Yeah, I think yeah. I'm used to it used to the we're living in a cartoon, but the world is very serious. I think, yeah, I think yeah. I'm ready to just embrace it. Yeah, I think you're right. right Storytelling's good enough. Yeah.
2: I love the data files at the end. Oh, yeah. The data like files were file like they we used to be on yeah. the back of the, the toys. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, very, very cool. Yeah. GIGO2 was
3: great.
0: And, this
1: and they've got stuff in <laughs> the back too. Oh, Cobra. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this is clearly the new thing,
1: it would appear. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. So, looking forward to the next one. <laughs> there
0: you go. What else I can we find we in the back of our issues that's, Well, that's ID,
2: IDW. I've got you know on the back of the Cobra Kai as, uh, you know, the Cobra Kai sign, and my name is Johnny on The back <laughs> of this we've got a big Cobra.
1: Yeah. Also IDW. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah huh, yeah. Well, you saw Multiverse.
0: You got a picture as well and I've a quote and Usually apart from it's that, just that like, yeah, just an yeah, advert of some kind or
1: Netflix if it's Mark
2: Miller <laughs> Mark Miller
0: yeah this is true this All is right. true. get in there for week 4 Alan yeah week 4 shock horror to absolutely no one it's another Batman title I feel like I'm stepping over myself quite a bit here but um, again this is another example of uh, <laughs> another great example sorry Roddy's just wiggling his fingers <laughs> showing us the bruising his bruised bruised um, fingers yeah, so my pick for this week was Batman Curse the White Knight number four. Uh, script, art, and covers by Sean Murphy, as always, and the uh, colorist is Matt Hollingsworth. Um, one thing I always think about Sean Murphy's stuff is that it's relentlessly cool and entertaining. What it's not normally, I think, is heart wrenching and emotional. It's usually quite cold and clinical, I find, but this, artist, uh, this issue changed that. Um, at the end of issue three, Azrael, there's that guy again uh, popping up but very heavily reimagined in this uh he essentially sticks a sword through james gordon and leaves him for dead on the streets mm-hmm. so at the end of issue three i just assumed gordon was dead because the thing is with this series again it exists within its own um continuity uh, but it starts off with gordon being rushed to the hospital so your natural reaction to that is oh, he's going to be okay But then what they do is they juxtapose that with this scene of Gordon being really nice to Barbara when he was younger, teaching her a lesson about bullies and when people fight you, you fight back harder and all this kind of stuff. So what you quickly realize is Gordon isn't gonna make it. And there's this wonderful scene that's two pages long where there's zero dialogue, but Barbara runs out of the hospital just as Batman's coming into the hospital and she's running out inconsolable and then Batman runs into the operating room and he cradles Gordon in his arms and he's dead and what's interesting in this is you feel the full impact of all the years of reading you've been doing for comics in that moment Batman and Gordon are not especially close in White Knight um, in fact Gordon openly questions him quite a lot but I think in that moment you're thinking of all the other classic stories where they've got on so well and, um, actually the wee lump on the throat here. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, you say they're not close yeah. but, but at that stage Gordon knows that Batman was Oh absolutely yeah. Yeah. he does but he he still But once he found out in issue 3 that Barbara was Batgirl he turned on Bruce like instantly saying like how could you endanger my family like that how could you let her do this so they, they don't have the same close relationship compared to like sort of classic Hush era or yeah. you know Court of Owls or that kind of stuff um, but what that little flashback scene set up was that you know Barbara then, unfortunately, takes her word the words of her father a little too literally, and it's like they hurt you, you hurt them back harder, and she mm-hmm. goes off in vengeance, ready to kill Azrael. But at the last moment, she actually hesitates, and then by the look of it, Azrael breaks her back, and it looks like she's going to be set up as the Oracle character, yeah. uh-huh. uh, which will be really, really interesting as well. Uh, Leaving René Montoya as the new
3: commissioner. Rennie Montoya is yeah. the new
0: commissioner. She's taken over from Gordon. Gordon actually sort of told her with his dying breath that she was in charge. Yeah, yeah um yeah i'm just digging curse the white knight again i just i love alternate takes on classic stories yep um and that's what this is the murphy verse and again it's good to see a <laughs> bit of emotion going in there rather than just
1: yeah the coolness I, and I, the clinical of it definitely understand what you mean there especially yeah, with the first one i haven't read any of the the curse sequel. but um yeah I def- it I stuff is quite that.
0: cold and clinical and gorgeous and yeah. cool and you know
3: which quite action thing, packed. oh not yeah. at all
0: but you just don't get a lot of the emotion in there but that yeah. I think that changed a lot for me in this issue um, so that's the halfway point of Curse of the White Knight it's gonna and be you might get
1: more of that stuff with uh, Mr. Freeze you know, Mr.
0: Freeze one shot Yeah. yeah. One shot, yeah. no definitely um, so yeah surprising absolutely no one my pick of the week was a Batman title <laughs> oh. Um, um what about you, Keith? Well, my pick of the week beginning the 23rd, week 4 of October, is
2: probably the best superhero book that none of you guys are reading. <laughs> uh, I'm reading it because it's written by Al Ewing and Jason Aaron. Uh, and that's, Together? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, Arts by uh, Cafu, C-A-F-U. Um, the
1: Brazilian footballer? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Is that a football be? joke? Yeah, football joke. World Keith.
2: <laughs> so we're four issues into Jane Foster Valkyrie. So uh, we know that once Jane Foster was the mighty Thor. Um, and uh, now she doesn't wield thunder but death and life and everything mm-hmm. in between because Jane is now the last of the Valkyries, warrior goddesses who ferry the souls of those who fall in battle to Valhalla, the land of the honored dead. She's the wielder of Undjarn, the all weapon, defender of Midgard and Asgard alike. Uh, so she's the, she's now the last Valkyries. You know, the in the aftermath of the War of the Realms, and the War of the Realms, all of the Valkyries were killed uh, and that leaves Jane as, as, as the last. So she's, she's, she's stepped into a, a heroic persona you know, having left the Thor persona behind, she stepped in a, a heroic persona. Um, so we're part four of the, of the first story arc, and in this story arc, uh, Bullseye, uh, Daredevil's villain got a hold of Dragonfang, which was the sword of uh, of the last the last leader of the Valkyries. Uh, Jane, she was able to get the sword back, um, she was able to destroy it and knock uh, Bullseye, you know, finish Bullseye off. We're, we're still discovering Jean's powers and what she can seem to sense death and some seem to sense people's closeness with death. So, if someone is very, very close to dying, she'll see this giant black ball above their head with a big skull on it. You know, and it's everybody, <laughs> everybody has got this yeah. black ball above their head, and then some people it's very tiny and some people it's very small. And okay. situationally, yeah. that can change, you know. And if she sees that, she'll be like, oh god, I have to do something because she is, she, That's she's she's a she ferries people to the afterlife so she has to know who she needs to be ferrying or getting ready to ferry you know so um, so anyway there's a lot of stuff so it, it, it's a great book because you're sort of discovering how she's going to be a Valkyrie at the same time as she is she doesn't know because mm-hmm. there's no other Valkyries around to teach her how oh, to be of a cool, Valkyrie yeah. you know uh, so we talked about uh, we talked earlier on about Mephisto whenever we were talking about uh, well, a number of ghost things rider, Yeah, a Ghost yeah. Rider so Mephisto appears here in Hotel Inferno and he's up to no good um, you know in fact he references Ghost Rider Johnny Blaze of all people he's king of hell and I'm stuck in Vegas <laughs> <laughs> I mean this too will pass yada yada but that one stung. <laughs> you know <laughs> anyway uh, so Mephisto is uh, is enlisting the once believed dead Grim Reaper he looks, still looks pretty dead uh, so what's happened recently is um Bullseye killed Heimdall, you know Heimdall the guardian at the mm. Rainbow Bridge, uh GN ferried Heimdall to the afterlife and showed him an afterlife they'd never seen before, a high uh-huh, Heimdall was they all seeing, but that leaves a massive breach security in security in the in Asgardian defenses with Heimdall gone, you know, so and I think Mephisto and the Grim Reaper are going to are going to take uh going to take advantage of that. Um so yeah, he's he's Mephisto was hired has hired uh, Grim Reaper for for, for badness. Uh, Jean lives in an apartment. Uh, she's got a friend. Uh, she's got a friend who used to. I think she used to be a. Uh, used to date superheroes, and uh, she's the only person. Her name Lisa Hall- Halloran uh, is the only person that knows that Jean is is the Valkyrie. But uh, Jean recently, so Valkyries ride flying horses. Yeah, but Jean's only recently realized that this horse can talk. <laughs> <laughs> the, the horse talks with a Northern English accent. Hey, from, from Yorkshire <laughs> and the, the, she lives in an apartment with a no pets clause but she's, she's living with a horse you know so the horse is the horse is uh, hilarious you know I'm a working horse I'm a, I'm a day's work for a day's pay horse or a day's A <laughs> so the horse is the horse only came in last issue the last panel you realise you could talk so it was Hilarious, Janice, she just doesn't know what's going on at all, <laughs>
1: just <a> champion. <laughs> <laughs> it's def- definitely Jason Aaron's doing yeah, that. Uh, that, that open, uh, well, I'd say it's Al yeah, Ewing's actually, yeah. you know, yeah. Al Ewing's Englishman. Yeah, well, that was well. a joke,
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, you're, sorry, yeah. I, I missed that, I'm getting too excited about the book. Uh, <laughs>
1: it's a talking
0: horse, come yeah. on, Roddy. a talking cool, yeah.
2: horse. So, uh, so yeah, there's there's a lot going on. I say that, that that it's really cool that we're learning how to how to be a Valkyrie as Jean is, yeah. and she she goes to visit. Uh, there's a a talk in ancient history going on with um with a with a doctor, Doctor Riggs, who once shared a body with Brunhilda, who was a previous Valkyrie. So Jean goes, all right, well I need to go and see this girl because she knows how to be a Valkyrie. Uh, but Jean sort of screws it up fairly fairly quickly with you know she's. She's, the way she acts and so forth and so on but anyway in the front row um, a man in a gorgeous coat and a hat is uh, everybody's best friend uh, the Sorcerer Supreme Doctor Strange uh, so the, this this talk is about this this myrrh that this Doctor Riggs has found Doctor Strange is here he's going listen that's no ordinary myrrh da 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 ends up in a battle uh, as uh, some old villains of Doctor Strange appear from the myrrh um and of course, the Valkyrie has to appear to fight side by side with Doctor Strange. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a it's been a lovely, lovely book so far. Great, really great superhero book. Sort of reminiscent of Invincible, um, which is now finished after you know a long, long run under Robert Kirkman. But when I say it's reminiscent of Invincible, it's obviously set in the Marvel universe, not in its own universe. Uh, the art is beautiful Cafe.
1: there's something Alex Ross says yeah, about the there, cafe's art there, there is
2: something uh, a little Gorgeous. bit painted yeah. I meant to say that earlier on actually there's some even the stuff of Mephisto uh, and uh, Doctor Strange in his astral form there's some really lovely stuff uh, going on here but um, it's a, it's that sort of learning to be a superhero thing in the mm-hmm. same way as Invincible was trying to figure out how to be a superhero and what it meant to be superpowered Jane's doing the same thing but against the, drop, the backdrop of having been Thor and understanding Asgard and and now being the you know the the Valkyrie you know so yeah great stuff really really enjoyable stuff and I say Paul Ewing, Jason Aaron and that fantastic art I'd highly recommend it (laughs) I'm sure it'll be trading after the first six issues so or you know yourself
0: yeah uh, I think is it
2: just a mini series or no I think this is an ongoing I don't know how long the two of them will stay on it
0: probably not for long I would imagine given who they are yeah, other we say that, more. but obviously with Aaron stepping away from Thor, maybe he just can't fully let go of uh, Asgard. Maybe so. Maybe he just need, he just uh, needed a little uh, a little title to hold on to. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so there you are. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so twenty third of October. A few other notable ones. Thought Middle West Twelve was great. We're starting to get into the bones of this world works.
2: We really are, aren't we? We've discovered a little bit about the uh, what's the name of the the liquid ethyl? Yeah, the uh, mysterious
0: so pink substance that just seemed to be in the background of issues, seemed to be powering things. Maybe don't go into too much detail, and that's another trade one for Roddy. Yeah, um, um, that's cool. That's
2: cool. So it, it it remains a really strong book. We're exploring the world through the eyes of Abel. Um, Things aren't things are going from bad to worse, really, yeah. for the for the lead character. Um, but uh, he's not without friends and or supporters,
0: or, or people looking for him like looking when him he's him in or, trouble. Yeah, His but, dad's looking for him a bit more as well, which may not be a good thing. Yeah, but maybe a good thing. Um, Could go either way. Yeah,
2: and you know we've got a couple of characters who were in it just earlier here looking out for his welfare, and also Fox, uh, who we're learning a little more about as time goes on. So, real world building
0: one, really enjoying and uh, continue to enjoy Middle-earth. Uh, cool. Speaking of Al Ewing, bit of love for Immortal Hulk 25. Um, still not sure I fully understand it.
3: So, <laughs> uh, Immortal Hulk
0: 25. This would almost need its own separate tell us podcast. Us, tell us, Keith. No, I mean, I'm not, I'll not go, not go into sort of what I understand, but um, okay, I'm just gonna preface this by saying the reason I struggle with this issue is because I kept trying to pronounce a character's name in it the character's name is spelled P A R uh percentage L <laughs> or that could be a one or it could be an L. And I kept trying to think how is this name <laughs> pronounced. Yeah, well that yeah that would that would melt
3: your <laughs> head. Sure, <laughs>
2: So it's a double it's a double size twenty fifth issue, isn't it? Yeah, um, it is indeed, yeah. And it's not what you expect it to be at all. Um, but then what what about um, anything that Al Ewing has done on Immortal Hulk is. Um, but this is this is a step away. Again, this it's it brings the idea that the Hulk the the devil hulk here that uh, you know has been the, the Hulk the 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 immortal hulk that his goal is to is to break the world yeah. you know is to destroy is to break the world and that's what he wants to do and this takes that to the conclusion that he's gone even further and he becomes the breaker of worlds which is synonymous with the eater of worlds who we know to be Galactus and uh, it's a cosmic story it's a it's a trippy cosmic story Um, vibes of Grant Morrison to it there's a there's a sniff of Grant Morrison about it for sure Um, eh, it's it's very very enjoyable. It's not what you expect, but uh, it's very much part of uh, it's very much part of the the Immortal Hulk, um, the Immortal Hulk storyline. Uh, you see, towards the end, uh, throughout the throughout the book, the art's very very uh, very very strange, very very alien. Um, but as we get into the last two pages, we get back to the art style we recognize because we come back to the world we know and al brings this um, far future uh, far distant uh, cosmic story back into the realm of what he's doing with with the Hulk story so yeah I uh, I'm, I'm good with it I'm good with it I understood it a lot more than <laughs> I understand
0: a lot of things I read <laughs> <laughs> and it does have an absolutely gorgeous splash middle page of the Hulk clothes lining a planet just to destroy it <laughs> Yeah. You know, with the little subtitle of 9 <laughs> Billion Living Souls Are Extinguished. Membranes mm. rupture, nuclei shatter like spun glass, biology becomes physics. Biology becomes physics, that's interesting. Uh, uh, heavy a world's colour burns out and fades, consumed, gone, there is no sound. Um, yeah. Uh, and, you know, a special word for that cover. Uh, Alex Ross, as ever, doing his amazing Alex Ross thing. Um, I'm just going to tip. Uh,
2: Marauders number one mm-hmm. by Jerry Dugan and uh, Matteo Lolly uh, so again it's the second of the Dawn of X books Roddy okay um, it starts in uh, starts in Central Park and the central conceit of the story is that Kitty Pride cannot use the portals the Crickoan portals that uh, go to and, to and from Kate Pride. Kate Pride, sorry uh, you're right uh, I don't want to go by Kitty anymore you know and uh, so, uh, but that, that, that's the central conceit of the story. That Well, that's sort of the, the doodah that powers the story, but the, the central conceit is that mutants around the world are flocking to the alien nation of Croco for safety, security, and to be part of the first mutant society. As I said in the X-Men, many nations have recognised Croco as statehood in exchange for life-changing pharmaceuticals, allowing and gateways to be placed in key locations for mutants to travel through. Some nations, however, have declined... Uh, to recognise mutant in sovereignty and they can't be accessed by portals so they're going to have to be accessed another way. You missed uh, the best line there. Ahoy muties! Ahoy muties! <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, the cast for this, Kitty Pride, Lockheed Her Dragon, Storm, Nightcrawler, Iceman Wolverine, Emma Frost, Bishop and Pyro. Um, so what we've got here is... Uh, is is. Kate cannot uh, use the portal, so she ends up stealing the boat to travel back to Krakoa. Um, um, you know, whenever she gets there, you know, she's brought some stuff with her. She's got Logan's shopping list: <laughs> <laughs> ribs, Canadian Club whiskey, sods, cubano sandwiches, hair pomade, the Dapper Dude one, and keep that under your hat, <laughs> <laughs> and coffee. So, so yeah, but. Uh, she's contacted by her arch nemesis uh, the White Queen who as you know is a member of the council mm. and the quite White Queen offers her an opportunity she sees the fact that the gates don't work for her as an opportunity uh, she's just completed a successful voyage to the Newmian homeland and uh, she hopes it will be uh, many the first of many on behalf of the, the new Hellfire Corporation which as you know was constituted in order to and powers of x and house of x in order to deliver to 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 find mutants in places that can't be accessed by the gates and Mm -hmm. to deliver um, the mutant drugs to places that can't be accessed so uh, the hellfire trading company offers her a great boat um uh, she puts together a team and um that's that's the, the the crux of the story bishop's involved in here somewhere which is always nice always good to see bishop um, but yeah, that's the that's that's the crux of the story. We have effectively uh, mutant privateers. Uh, they are uh, an away mission from Krakoa, uh-huh. and uh, they can't use the they can't use the portals. And uh, Kitty, uh, sorry, Kate, uh, she's now been known, and that's a, that's that's a, a big part of of what's going on here. You know, so uh, she's going full pirate. <laughs> <laughs> so in that sense, the marauders. If you're a mutant and can't get to Krakoa, then the Marauders will bring you home. <laughs> cool.
0: So yeah, so that's uh, so that's us. Yep. Yeah, Marauders number one there. Yep. And then we'll just finish off that week with what would have been Kaelin's pick, and it was one that I think we we're going to throw an honourable mention for anyway, which is uh, Batman Superman number three, Joshua Williamson, David Marquez. Uh, this is just really good old-fashioned storytelling Um, a lot of fun Uh, something Keith always likes to say with good art is nice clean lines the art in this is fantastic Uh, a big note out to the colorist as well Alejandro Sanchez uh, really makes this work as well this is the fallout from the issue where Batman and Superman came up with a plan to inject um, Superman with the Joker toxin so he can go undercover and try and find out the Batman who laughs plan. Superman who laughs. Ah, uh, the Superman who laughs indeed. So, but what you can see the whole way through it is an inner monologue from Clark where he's basically saying, like, must keep hee hee control. Mm-hmm. Like, he is starting to submit to it a, a little bit. But there's just some really good um, storytelling here through the art. I mean, you've got a great panel where Batman is. Keeping an eye on everything, has an antidote ready, and then you see the Batman who laughs in the next page, just sort of winding Superman up, and he just see an empty chair, mm. like Batman knows shit is going down, so he jumps into it, um, actually realizing the Batman who laughs has figured out their plan, so he has to give Clark the antidote, and then he locks him in a. Uh, Solar cell, cell, yeah, solar cell, which is great. But the next part of it was one of the reasons I enjoyed the issue so much was where Batman was chasing after Gordon. So Gordon has been um, shown to be one of the infected, and this might be some. This might be a little thing that might you might have missed, Keith, because I know you haven't read the whole, U fifty two run. But I was familiar with that, bit just through a bit of reading and stuff. Um, Um, But yeah, what it was was uh, Gordon had the bat armor in place that. In the new 52 run, there was a part where Bruce uh, was um, considered dead. Um, Everyone thought he had actually died. And a new Batman had to take over. And Gordon took over. Uh, He shaved his mustache and everything. Oh, yeah? Yes, shaved his mustache. uh, But he took over in a way where he obviously didn't have the years of training of Batman. He was older. So they used sort of cutting-edge tech. Um, The only thing is the design of it is pretty cool, but the internet labeled it Bat Bunny. And it kind of stuck. Yeah, was uh, which was the only Feters, thing. yeah. <laughs> but there's some really creepy stuff in this. Like Gordon pulls out this sort of blank mask, has a little tinge of Court of the Isles to yeah, it. Yeah, it does, yeah. Actually. Um, but yeah, just really, really good stuff in this all round. And then it ends with another one of the infected turning up, which is Blue Beetle. Um, I believe that's going to be. Uh, Brought to the attention in the issue, was it Infected Keen Scarab? I think it is. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah, just great stuff. And it also sets up this great uh, rivalry at the end between the Batman who laughs and Lex Luthor and all of the stuff happening. What, what it does the is,
2: is the year the villain impinges on the end of Batman.
0: Yeah. Superman number three, yeah. But I do like that the Batman who laughs has that monologue of this puts you and me on a collision course, Lex. Mm-hmm. Which gets me quite excited for where this goes because it also ends with. But you know, Batman always wins. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Batman, Superman, great stuff. As I say, that was Killian's pick, um, but also one that we were more than happy to throw a little uh, love at. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Yeah, so on to the last week of the month. Now, I have to say this was a tricky week and I haven't even read everything from it at this point. <laughs> And I'm you and I, and I, in I, the same I still struggle. Yeah, <laughs> we're in the same boat. And I still yeah. struggle to <laughs> narrow it down. Um, but we're going to kick off with you, Roddy. One, I'm happy to say, I read about an hour before we started recording. awesome. So it would not
1: yeah. be spoiled. <laughs> you read this one, Keith?
0: What? Which is the book, Roddy?
1: The book is Basket Full of Heads.
2: I haven't read any of the Hill House stuff yet. Um,
1: I think this is the only one. This, this is the only, only one, one so, far. so far. So you're okay. Mm. Okay, <laughs> you're okay
2: I, for now. <laughs> I, I I stand by my statement.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's there might be one out in a week or think It's Lolo next. Woods, is yeah. I know, so. um Yeah, we'll go for this. So Joe Hill presents Hill House Comics, uh, a division, a subdivision of DC Black Label, a subdivision of DC Comics yes Um, normal size black label normal normal size size black label I got me one of those Um, so Joe Hill Leo Max is the artist um, who I haven't really heard much about and coloured by Dave Stewart Um, yeah I think um, Joe Hill says in the back it's sort of like a love letter it's a love letter to a lot of things actually but I think this is um, did
2: that say they're on Brody Island yep what
1: what is what is the Brody Island reference because we were Jaws. trying to figure is it Jaws yeah, well, no it lit Jaws up no it's it not
2: it's awesome. Amity Island but yeah. but the
0: characters Brody. the surname the, the
2: characters Brody. is Brody because yeah. oh, right. I said that straight away as yeah. well when I
3: read it yeah. but what's um, better than
0: Brody Island is slightly further in which it's not to spoil anything that happens but there's an incident happens
1: Yeah, Shawshank Prison. Shawshank Prison. Yeah, um, should say. Well, he's uh, he's not he's nodding towards his old dad. Absolutely. Uh, What was I gonna say? My sort of thinking was it's a love letter to EC Comics and all the sort of um, horror stuff they did back long, long time ago. So, what's the gist of this one? The gist is, um, so we're in Brody Island in Maine in the 1980s, where obviously a lot of Stephen King, other. Other films and pop culture stuff are set. Very, um, very nostalgia-changed. So basically, there's a mini prologue, which is a person walking on a bridge. um, Carrying a basket. At night, yeah. In the pouring rain, with a basket covered in the American flag. And there's this sort of bizarre talking to each other like no biting what did i tell you i said if your yeah. tongue was any anywhere near my ear <laughs> and um so yeah that's it that's the prologue that's your basket full of heads for the entire issue which um apart from that beautiful logo on the next page yeah um which some people find a bit disconcerting but i really enjoyed this issue i thought it was a really nice It was a number one, but I felt it was a prelude to all the sort of horror that was to come. It was the first ten minutes of a horror movie to me.
0: Yeah, it's the end of the summer, it's bright sunshine, it's young love.
1: Yeah, so um, our main two characters, um, I can't remember their names offhand, but the guy is uh, basically a seasonal police officer in Brody, Maine, and his girlfriend's come down to visit him on his last day and he's clocking off and there's some really nice dialogue touches between them it's obviously their young love they're thinking about what to do what's what's their next step in life that sort of thing uh, but then it's a great summer it's the end the end of the season basically for the small the time. end of innocence yeah yeah, yeah it know. is um, but then they get called back by the sheriff there's sort of been a prison break which is where you see the Shawshank prison uh, van from uh, so with uh, with their help they gather up all the prisoners apart from two who have escaped and it rolls on without it rolls and rolls there's a lot of world building stuff to it and a lot of just build up and a lot of dread going on mm-hmm. then you sort of see they visit the house of uh, is that the sheriff Think, yeah. yeah
0: so the sheriff basically while he's doing the cleanup, he sends the, the young officer to his house he's clearly an old fashioned man believes there needs to be a man in the house
1: to look after his wife there's a great PC line case. in it actually
0: okay. where um, he says to the younger officer and look I don't believe these boys are dangerous but maybe it wouldn't hurt to have a man in the house while I'm rounding them up so I'm not worrying about the wife and the young boy says sir your son is with her and he goes "Mm-hmm." much point. Yeah. <laughs> so he's clearly not yeah. doesn't think too much of his son. Um so that's why he heads over to quote protect his uh, the sheriff's wife and son.
1: Yeah, so we there's like a little just little touches of like dread. tension and yeah. dread. Um there's that's when we see when we're in the house we see all these trinkets and treasures and we see the axe. Is this stuff authentic? And then the axe there's a there's sort of like a tree on it, and when they're talking about it, when they walk past it, the axe sort of activates, shall we say? The tree is black, the sort of symbol on it, and then it goes red. And yeah, that's sort of it. There's a lot of bit more build up, and then excuse me, our couple go home, and there's a lot of conversations happening there's a lot of talking heads in the book oh, i see what you did and there. then hey. <laughs> <laughs> and then towards the end this is a definite ec comics tribute you'll see um, they find out the prisoners are in their house and it's got the the girl beside the door and she's sort of Hiding with her the- back hood with a panic look in her face and then In its one month, the axe will fall. That's
2: a great. uh, It's a
1: real. It's a slow burner, and I can see why people didn't really latch onto it. But for me, I really, really enjoyed it. I really like the build-up. I really like the the characters in it too. They're Uh really, really engaging, and yeah, looking looking forward to seeing seeing where it goes. Let's get full of heads. But yeah, like that's that's all you get. You get a little bit of the axe and the prologue, and that's kind of it
2: does it have a it has a pro story at the back as well it does Chamber Alan, Alan was Bands? saying when
1: he read it it was like I would have rather had four more pages of the story yeah I mean there's
0: a, right, okay. there's a different artist in the backup story it's uh, by an artist Dan McDade and it's beautiful looking and it's it reminds me of what they sort of did with Tales of the Black Freighter and Watchmen
1: yeah yeah
0: has that sort of parody feel to it and I'm sure it'll all link in in one way or another I mean there, there's some would say that Tales of the Black Freighter and Watchmen too late, place, and should not have been there in the first
3: place. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: uh, when you say people say that, are you talking about yourself? It's, uh yeah, not necessarily. Don't know if it's a debate you know, for twelve yeah, o'clock at night, though. Another time, another time. <laughs> Quarter past twelve, isn't Ooh. it, really um, no, yeah. I mean, what I, I mean, the only thing I, I don't like is that I think it's very cynical to say here's four pages of a story. You can get the next part in number one of Dollhouse Family. Mm-hmm. It, it'd be okay if I ran through all six issues a basket full of Heads, but I think it's a little bit cynical to say, oh, you have to buy all these if you want this whole story. Mm. But um, but the other uh, side to that was, as, a, as I said to Rod, I would have happily had four more pages yeah. of the main story. Yes. Because I was really digging it and really enjoying it. So uh, And then there's a nice wee sort of uh, editorial there by Joe oh, well, Hill as well.
1: I really well. like really
0: that editorial. Uh, he starts talking about... Like he, he, he has a great line in it where he says um, you know we now live in uh, a place where there's a fresh wave of lovely fright in film, TV and literature from high minded masterpieces like Hereditary and House of Leaves to scream till you laugh horrors like Stranger Things and It Hill House Comics began with a simple proposition let's cut comics in on the action <laughs> so I just like that sort of wee line to it but, but yeah I really dug this as well although I said is very cynical them saying you have to buy them all I'm going to get them all anyway. That's <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm a Joe um, Hill fan.
1: Yeah, I'm going to get number one of each, I think. I don't yeah, know. and then I'll see go what to there. stick with.
0: Absolutely. So that yeah, was, that was my pick. That was basketball heads number one. Um, as I say, I wrestled with this a lot as to what this was. This title nearly ended up being my favorite of the month, but something else that came out this week actually just nibbled ahead of it. But uh, my pick for this week, which was the 30th, is the Batman Annual number 4. Um, I'm a little like Keith in that I think sometimes annuals can just be space fillers. They're there because it's a five-week month. There's It's not really linked to the main title. It's mm-hmm. um, an extra book you can put out that's a couple of pound dearer Exactly, <laughs> by adding six extra pages to it or whatever. But I have to say this is where Batman sort of has balked that trend because Batman Annual 2 was phenomenal yeah. it was the Tom Keene one which was all about Catwoman and Batman's yeah. first meeting oh. and you know Bruce eventually died it was their sort of start and end point Batman Annual 3 was the other Tom Tom Taylor yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was Alfred it was Father's Day that it was day, a wonderful yeah. uh-huh. tale fantastic one I and was then
3: i sorry, I'm sorry no I what was, was, was going
1: to say since I've always had that sort of cynical feeling about annuals but since I've been doing this podcast, I don't think I've. Yeah. Maybe we're avoiding the bad ones. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But are I feel I've like never, games? I've never seen a bad annual at this point. Yeah. So no, that's true. The, I that's got, true.
2: A, I got a whole reckon. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've got a Batman one, a Nightwing one. I've got a Doctor Strange one. I've got a Savage Avengers one. Okay, you can uh, report back next. next I've read time. the Batman one, which we're just about to talk about,
0: and I've read the Nightwing one, which I'll mention later on. Yeah. Uh, okay. And uh,
2: Two for two
1: at the minute. Okay, okay. Uh,
0: that's, that's that's good to hear bad you're bad. not slagging this one off before I start talking about yeah. it. Uh but <laughs> pardon me. But yeah, with Batman Annual Four, we're back to Tom King. Um two different artists on this, although to be honest, you wouldn't really notice. Their styles are very, very similar. I I really didn't notice. I mean, yes, yeah, I'm so uh, hearing of it so yeah just as i was talking earlier about the artist george fornes uh he does most of it he does pages 1 to 29 and 38 and then pages 30 to 37 are mike norton but their styles are very similar so they meld together nicely um what this title essentially is to me is just showing how malleable a character batman is this it, is taken from the Diary of Alfred, isn't it? It's taken from the Diary of Alfred, and these are all just individual stories he's observed over his years of being Batman's you know, closest confidant. Is it over his years, or is it over a period of... Uh, I think it's over the years. There's no way this could happen over the days. <laughs> well, <laughs> But I think that's kind of the point. Well, it yeah. does say, you know, in his diary, it
2: starts, it starts Sunday, March yeah, the 7th. Yeah, March the 7th, and, and then runs through until Monday, March
0: the 8th. It runs through to April's. Saturday April 24th I know but we I know we like to joke that I'm Batman and all the rest and all that stuff but no human is surviving this yeah, over the yeah, course yeah, of yeah, days yeah, yeah. but it's just a, it's almost a collection of stories that or just go from the sublime to the ridiculous like the first one is Batman chasing what essentially looks to be a bank robber over the rooftops of Gotham on a horse and jumping from building to building uh, and then it jumps into Batman leaping off a building to take down a dragon that is in Gotham um, and then it goes from there to Batman in a great piece of art I have to say wearing half of his costume UFC gloves and a cowl to protect his identity is fighting a guy who consistently called him out in public. This is a this was one of my favorite stories in it because he refused to fight this guy, refused to fight him, refused to fight him. But then ultimately this guy um, was, uh, where was it there? He was cruel towards a woman, uh, basically beat her up, but then he got off with it. So Batman agreed to fight him so that he could actually serve out proper justice. And then he donated all his winnings to charity. Of course he did. Um, you've got this great little sort of case where there's six suspects It almost played like a game of Cluedo or something yeah. like that. Mm. You know, you have the wife, you have the older brother, you have the person who's looked after and you have the young son, the black sheep, all this kind of stuff um, sort of shown as deductive qualities. You then had a great story which had a great little... Uh, cameo in it and sort of in the background. Okay. Yeah, the uh, band, being I, thought was, I thought that
1: was the best one. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Carmine
0: Infantino. It? Yeah, and this was basically just um, a story about Bruce when he went to his prom, but then also meeting up with his prom date sort of years later and showing the the parallels between their lives. There's there's something really interesting actually is
2: the fact that you know the stories begin, you know, quite long, uh, yeah, three yeah. or four three or four pages. Uh, you know, and then they get down to a couple of pages and then to one page, and then by the end of the book, it's just panels. Yeah. Just one panel yeah. per story. Kind of reminds you of like whenever someone gets a diary and they're really keen to do something with it, and they can start really enthusiastically.
0: <laughs> by the time they're finished, it's the same as yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you even get into cosmic stuff in it, you get, you know. Him standing drinking coffee in the back <laughs> cave, you get them with you know mummies, you know, with uh, the monsters arrived unexpectedly, you know, with monsters trashing Gotham. You know, you get them driving race cars, fighting um, Calabac, <laughs> playing American football, playing American football, wrestling an alligator yeah. <laughs> in someone's kitchen. Um, you it's, know, but but even small little moments that you feel, you know, there's one there like Tuesday, March 30th on the anniversary of his father's death, Tim came home. Mm-hmm. That's just a little panel about Tim Drake. You know, there's someone who he saved from jumping off a roof. There's one where it just helps a wee woman across the road. I um, just say, American football. He Jordan fought himself. <laughs> um, there's one there that looks to be sitting on top of Voltron or a Transformer or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it always <laughs> seems to be... The the costume definitely looks a wee bit more like the campy sixties Batman, yeah, you know, yeah. than than. Uh, but yeah, just like the uh, him up in space punching the Joker, of course, had to be the last panel. Yeah, pow, and um, that's definitely campy sixty. Yeah, you know, um, even just like with Harley having him over a um, a fish tank full <laughs> of piranhas yeah. and stuff. And then you get the title of it again. This is something Tom King does brilliantly with his title at the end, which is "Every Day." Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the old
1: nine panels there.
0: I could read this over and over and over again. I just think it's class. Um, there's so many nods. There's so many classic Batman stories. There's fun to it. There's heart to it. There's action to it. There's a bit of you know, a bit of horror to it as well. Um, yeah I just really really enjoyed this I had a smile on my face the whole time reading it
3: yeah
1: I agree Um, and it was really charming as well it's something you wouldn't really associate with Batman but I loved how inventive all the panels were yeah Um, just a a really fun because at first I was like what the hell is this <laughs> and it's th- like why is he fighting the dragon what's yeah. what's going on and then it just clicked and clicked and clicked yeah. and then you were just enthralled like and then at the end it's just I wonder magic. I
2: wonder how much leeway Tom King you know did, did he just go alright I need I need you to tell 16 Batman stories in one panel yeah yeah, uh,
0: yeah,
1: or yeah. like or you wonder what what the instructions were to the yeah, artist yeah, or exactly, was, yeah. was there more artist input or
0: just go for it yeah yeah, I'd love I, to know that I know yeah. he's been very um, very complimentary towards the artists in this issue and, and rightly so because again I was saying this artist is someone I really admire
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, so yeah that was my pick for the 30th um, after a lot of deliberation uh, that was Batman Annual Number 4 Tom King, George Fornes uh, which brings us on to yourself Keith, and, oh my god we're doing a second clean sweep of DC this month Wow, well, this one's too. a black label oh. no less but it's a regularly sized black label it's not
2: one of those silly, silly sized ones <laughs> um, so as I say I really haven't made it through my pull list for, for that last week, yeah. for, for last week quite yet I've read some 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 stuff on it uh, and there's some stuff that I'm very glad I did read so my, my pick based on that limited Choosing is the first issue of the Last God, book one of the Felspire Chronicles, chapter one by Philip Kennedy Johnson and uh, Ricardo Federici on uh, on on art. Um, so they they've sort of promised with this um, a fantasy series, um, high fantasy series, uh, world building. Uh, um you know uh, building the history of the whole thing and you know this and that and the other and i think they've they've achieved that so uh, it takes place uh on the world of or in the 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 land of of Anun, and uh it tells it tells of um this monster or 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 plague the plague of flowers uh which was like a a disease or a pestilence that that swept across the land uh, years ago and first fell the, the the empires of man and then the the villages of the the elven nations, and elven, and then the the magicians, the guild eldritch, and the mighty river men to the south, the barbarians. You know, so there's some real fantasy tropes here. Um, and then there was a there was a the, the godslayers who were a unification of here an adventuring party effectively the the adventuring party came together and uh you know they were they were betrayed by by one of their their their, their own but uh, but the truest of men the I guess the Aragorn of the peace um tear uh, of mortal man he slew the the, the the plague, the flyers, the creature that was at the center of the plague, and today is their king, the 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 king of uh, of Tirgalad, uh, the God Slayer. So, uh, yeah, they're, I guess it's a special day. They're honoring the king, and we we see some uh, slaves fighting. The art is absolutely gorgeous. Um, the art and the the colors, the just just the lovely contrast uh, between day and night is yeah is excellent, um, gorgeous. So. Uh, there is a, a bit of a European thing to this as well. I think, mm-hmm. uh, as you say, it's
1: just just looking at it. I know because it's fantasy, but it reminds me of Conan and you said a bit of it. Yeah,
2: you're you're not wrong actually. There's there's a bit of that, but uh, we're seeing a, a sort of the background of, of what's going on. Tear the king. Tear is he has married uh, Queen Cyanthe. He is another member of the, the God-slaying party, mm-hmm. uh, or the adventuring group that, that slayed the, 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 the God um, from beyond the thing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so there's, there's a lot of tropes in here, but uh, the Queen's been asked, was his grace as fearsome as the songs would tell my Queen? And she's listening, she seems to be remembering back to the King trying to kill her child and all of this sort of stuff. So anyways, there's a lot going on. Um, were introduced to the gladiator Evinder um, who may or may not be their child I'm not sure Uh, but anyway the king seems to be suffering and it quickly becomes clear that the king has long been infected by the uh, the pestilence of what do we call it what do we call it the flower of the plague of flowers Uh, and it's not dead it's whatever it is has has taken him over and uh, it's just about to begin again uh, and it, and it, I guess it, it does so. It's really fucking brutal to look at. Um, it's uh, yeah. So this this city is is eventually taken over. There's some real macabre stuff happening anyway. But uh, but the whole place is on fire. The the plague of flowers is reignited, and it seems to be not necessarily. There's members of the old Godslayer's party. There's there's new members of the party and and these slaves, you know this 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 slave warrior and so forth and so on. And uh, this is this is the beginning of the tale. Um, you know they they rescue the queen and uh, they have to, the the last call is they have to return to the black Stair which is I guess there where this plague has come from and it has to be defeated because it's not been defeated. So, uh, but was really really interesting. There's 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 back matter at the back uh, and as I say they promised world building. So there's this the origin of this song that has been sung earlier in the earlier in the uh, in the story and this song is I guess it's like uh, Ring-a-Ring-a-Roses a pocket full of posies <laughs> a tissue a tissue we all fall down um, yeah, which okay. was all about the Black Death mm-hmm. and how to protect yourself from the Black Death uh, so this is Petal Black Petal Grey which talks about the plague of flowers uh, and you know it's it's kind of interesting and they, they talk about the origins of it and uh, how in certain Realms, or certain settlements, or certain dialects—they end with a different sounds, stanza, or different nonsense syllables, you know. And okay. so, uh, cool. there's a a story, the part, first part of a story about about this queen that I think is gonna. It, it talks about it goes into the history of the city we're we're in here, and uh, then there's a there's another story about a megalith that exists in the city of Tirgalad, which which we see very early on. Uh, this megalith of the. Of the warriors, uh, which is so it's just it's really good. So it's real world building stuff, uh, really, really pleasing uh, as both a reader of comics and appreciator of of, of art and a, a fan of fantasy high role fantasy, and yeah. high fantasy. Yeah, so it's really good stuff. Really good stuff. That's the first issue. I know Kaelin was interested in that as well, but uh,
1: he he was really impressed by it. Yeah, yeah.
2: big style Big style. Um it's that's high octane no holds barred, dark fantasy. Um and it looks to be looks to be in the epic side of things, so
0: yeah, highly it's recommend it. So we bit of a, a slow burner when it came to the pre orders for it, the weren't that high. But it just had a wee sneaky feeling it might just, you know, appeal to quite a few people in the store. So again we were unsure was it gonna be silly black label size, is it gonna be a twelve issue miniseries, is it an ongoing, all the rest. But we sold out of it on day one and I would ordered extra copies. I got top ups this week so if you are interested, we, sh- we should have a few copies in the store. Um, right. Highly recommended. Yeah, um, yeah. Riccardo Federici,
2: Federici was an artist in Dark Nights Metal?
0: Yes, he did covers just I think. I don't think it was all Capullo in the interiors. Um, but I, from what I remember, he was predominantly a cover artist actually. Mm. Yeah, great, uh, great story I say
2: but High, high, dark dark, high fantasy very very good
0: yeah well going back to it I mean I I struggled this this uh, release week to narrow mine down because as I said of the quality of the stuff Marvel Zombies hit I thought it was a lot of fun uh, one shot Marvel Zombies Resurrection I thought the use of Galactus in it especially was really really cool oh okay. <laughs> cool I'm looking forward to that um, Deceased ended this week you know so we had Deceased Number 5 on the second of the month and then the sixth issue on the 30th Deceased did exactly what I wanted it to do. It played with the uh, it played with the universe in a really fun way where of course there's not going to be lasting repercussions in the main continuity but you know, Tom Taylor was just given complete freedom to do what he wanted. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you can do you can do that in that and that I mean and that's what well, Marvel's always the same thing, yeah. you know. You know, so I thought those two were good um they were good accompaniments to each other. I was very close. Caelan's pick for the, the week was almost my pick for the month again, but I just didn't want to be boring. But it's Harley number two, just as good as Harley number one. That series is genuinely challenging in my mind. House and Powers and Spidey Life Story is my favourite of the year. It is fantastic. And I think it's Whoa. because I came into it with such low expectations, but I've been blown away by that series. Sweet. Um, so that was that one. Uh, yeah that's going to finish us off with picks of the month uh, I should say Keelan's was deceased number 6 so he was obviously pleased with how that ended um, after me giving all this abuse about these DC clean sweep weeks we have a Marvel <laughs> clean sweep month Whoa, uh, for the best. Really? But, there you are yeah. <laughs> so who wants to go first uh, go on ahead Roddy
1: Will I go for it? Yeah, well, sure. I actually don't want to talk too much about it, because you need to read this. Okay,
2: all right. It okay. has... Because I haven't. I, haven't I believe... It. I, don't I wanna, have been reading this. I don't want to
1: say anything, just in case, but there's ramifications <laughs> yeah. for the...
0: Upcoming titles. I think this yeah, is going to bleed into Thor for maybe a start. Okay.
1: the entire Marvel Universe itself. So,
0: so we should say we are talking about Silver Surfer Black number five.
1: And for me, this is one of my favorite series of the year yeah life story i've only read harley number one but i'm definitely picking up that in trade um life story oh fantastic but this i don't know if i've seen anything as glorious as trad mirrors. yeah absolute trip cosmic art it's utterly gorgeous please go and look at it and i can't wait to get a swish hardcover cover off it yeah because it's just it's mind-bendingly awesome and if you don't know um the basic premise is we're sort of spiraling out of um absolute carnage with the god null yeah silver surfer is sort of sent back uh, through a black hole um, the Silver Surfer has found himself billion, billions of years in the past where he is attacked by Null, the god of the symbiotes. and Forced forced to drain a significant portion of his, power, his cosmic power to escape, the Surfer has fought refuge with a young ego, the living planet. Uh-huh. And there may be a young Galactus in there too. Who knows? Uh-huh. Um, and of course, Silver Surfer is tempted to kill his maker before he could become the world leader. Surfer realized that killing Galactus would only bring more death and darkness to the universe, so he is reaching out to the cosmos to draw strength and to take on Null. And in this one, he meets Null, he meets him, and there is just...
0: There is a battle.
1: There is a battle. (laughs) To say the least. (laughs) But um, this one, we... This, like, I know you're going to hate me, Keith, but this should be, like, a Black Label-sized title. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It should be, like, blown up, put on walls. It's utterly fantastic. I love it. Really, really love it. Don't don't look at it. You'll spoil it for yourself. Sorry. Sorry
0: it's right. like the Sorry. sun. Don't look Whatever. directly at it. <laughs>
1: it's
0: essential, yeah. but don't look directly at it.
1: And uh, we should say um, Tradmirror obviously... I did notice something really interesting, actually. But we should give some absolute props to Dave Stewart and um, colors, uh, absolutely. Clayton Kyle's lettering's brilliant too. But um, Donny Cates, it's Donny Cates and Tradmore. Donny Cates story script, Tradmore is story art, which I yeah. thought was really a really neat okay. touch. Um, but this this is one of my series of the year, and it's just like a cosmic trip well it is true because so much boss. of the
0: storytelling this is the visual aspect of it so yeah. I, I appreciate that um, he's given him equal equal props there um, there's even a lovely little touch I mean you'll like this at the end Keith um, the very very last page hold on he's telling me not to look at no, it no, it's, not, well, it's, this, not a no, it's not is, a spoiler this is
1: a brilliant wee bit
0: this is a lovely little tribute for Stan uh, so they've reprinted this lovely piece um from an earlier stanley one it was the stanley mobius story mm-hmm. and it's where um someone is begging with uh, that silver surfer don't go galactus is too powerful men worship him no one will help you you'll be alone you'll be destroyed and uh, the surfer says back if we turn from battle because there's little hope of victory where then would valor be let it ever be the goal that stirs us, not the
3: odds. <laughs> I just thought it
0: was a really lovely tribute because uh, yeah. Donny Cates has gone on record as saying this was his love letter to Stan Lee's right. psychedelic storytelling in the sixties and seventies. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm with Rod in this. There is a Treasury edition of this coming out, which is blown up, and it will be. You'd almost want to cut every page of it out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean I would put this as one of the most visually distinctive titles of the year along with our usual choices of die yeah. um, the Immortal Hulk 25 was a good one as well
1: I just think what they've done is so unique as well There's, I can't see anything like it especially with a character like Silver Surfer who's maybe one of the more well, I don't want to say like lesser known but he's not forgotten lesser about used.
0: yeah like lesser utilized I would say but
1: we think that may change
0: well, yeah, it, it warms my heart that, as I said earlier, with Daredevil and with Silver Surfer, they're my two favourite characters, and they're two of my favourite series of the year. Um, I, am, I am a little sad that it's come to an end, but as you say, there's definite ramifications there at the end for, I would say, the whole Marvel Universe.
1: Yeah, that's me. Tell okay. us about
0: another powerful being in the Marvel Universe, Keith. <laughs> uh,
2: so my pick for uh, October was... Uh, issue one of uh, Doctor Doom by Christopher Cantwell who is better known I guess as a film and series writer and uh, Salvador La Roca who needs no introduction to mm-hmm. comic book fans. So not one that I was massively buzzed by when I first read it but um, I picked it up and read it and it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, uh, It looks great. great. It's written well. And uh, Doctor Doom is such an interesting character. Um, so many facets. Uh, <laughs> just uh, it's the story that they've set up is is great. So Doom has been through a bit of a roller coaster past. Uh, well, past couple of years, um, he was uh, the um, the God Emperor Doom in Jonathan Hickman's Secret Wars. He uh, he took the multiverse and put it together in one. Planet like the Beyonder had done. Uh, of course, remember Doom in nineteen eighty four, Secret Wars, where you know he stole Silver Surfer's power and or Galactus's power and um, the Beyonder's power, and you know the, the whole thing was a bit, you know. Um, and he also recently, I guess, uh, took over as Iron Man and and the the infamous Iron Man and Tony Stark's mm-hmm. dead and uh, had a bit of a. So he's uh, had at had a time of self exploration, but we're doing is at now is I mean the story we're looking at is um, we're now we've now created a black hole waste depository in the moon that's what we're that's what we're creating Um, you know they're they're looking at removing the Earth's co2 emissions from the earth's atmosphere at the rate of 35% reduction in the first year and uh, what they're going to do with it is they're going to put it all they're going, to, they're going to put it all in this black hole waste depository in the moon all sounds like a very clever idea uh, we're going to see a drop in global temperature very very soon so we're looking at so that that's couched against the climate crisis um, and uh, we're on the news we've got a couple of talking heads on the news here and uh, and they uh, ask Dr. Doom to join them uh, Dr. Doom of course is the he's the, uh, the leader of the European country of Latveria. Um, so he has a he is a a European leader. Uh, and they have him on because as a scientist he's very critical of the what they call the Ant Lion Project. Uh, and why is that? And Doom is like, because it would lead to a disaster of interstellar proportions. Hmm. <laughs> you know, and uh, the the scientist is like this is cutting edge Richards and Stark take. Richards is sloppy and Stark is reckless. <laughs> <laughs> what exactly are you a doctor of? Many believe uh, you're just upset that you were left out of the project. Steve, I will be allowed to speak. <laughs> so it has been a failure. Uh, so it has been a failure because you weren't involved. You interrupt me at your own peril, picnic aunt. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, they uh, yeah they the Doom is obviously a bit pissed off by this whole whole affair, and um uh, he he asks his uh, he asks his people to. Bring me the newsman named Steve. <laughs> 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 it will be done, Your Excellency. You know so. So yeah, we also see then the 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 human side of Doom. His his PA is a is a, a Latvian woman called uh, Petra, and uh, he asks Petra, "How's your father?" And uh, she says, "Oh, he's." Uh, he's been cared for in his bedside but he's stammers stummer as ever he calls her father by first name Boris is a strong man he'll beat the cancer I'm sure of it yes sir master thank you will there be anything else before I retire you know and uh, they watch the black hole being born in the, the moon you know and he knows it's going to be a disaster of interstellar proportions uh, sits in his study uh, when Kang appears and uh, Kang appears and says you know Kang we know Kang the, the master of time uh, at one time thought to be uh, uh an ancestor of of Dooms, thirty century ancestor of Dooms. Don't know if that's necessarily still the case, but Kang seems to be here accidentally. He asks where he is. It's happened before because Doom says I'm growing tired of this time of this Kang. You're in Doomstad, you're in my private study, you know. Um and they they sit and have a they have a glass of uh you know a glass of wine and, you know, they think they're tethered together because Kang is distantly related to him some sort of quantum entanglement and uh, you know Doom's asking Kang about this project and what's going to happen and you know Doom takes off his mask to to, you know obviously Doom is famously um, scarred under his mask and and that, and uh, you know, in order to drink the wine, and then we see Doom. You know, he's he, he's pouring oils and stuff on his bandages, and then he wraps his face at night. You know, so you're seeing a side of Doom, a vulnerable side of Doom that you don't yeah, very often yeah. see. Um, he seems to be having flashbacks to a time, whatever, or a place, or an altered reality where he's not scarred, where he's he's a, a leading light in the world, and in science, and in society, and he is, uh, he's married, he has has a couple of kids, he's happy, you know, and then it flashes back, you know, whether this is something to do with the fact that Kang is appearing randomly, and he's, yeah,
3: I
1: wasn't too sure if it was flashbacks, or if it's sort of what he wants, almost, yes, it's what he
2: wants, but it, it, it's what he wants, but he seems to be visioning it, yeah, you know, he says, Mm -hmm. what is this, children, you know, so he, he's got no idea, you know, and. Uh, and then he, he, he steps through a door and he finds himself on the moon at the Black Hole Project uh, <laughs> all the time accompanied by whatever music he's listening to So Do you think he's at the moon knocking on uh, Scott Summers' door? It could be that, you know <laughs> uh, So yeah, so it turns out that the Adlin Project is, actually works out well we're reintroduced to, uh, to the newsman Steve uh, who Doom has had captured and is, <laughs> is now in a mask and a straight jacket and is tied to the roof um, you know um, yeah so poor Steve's uh, having a bad old time of it anyway uh, there's, a, there's a few more of these visions and stuff but then uh, something happens what happens is um, there's an attack on the Antleon control centre that's a control centre in the dark side of the moon for the black hole and Doom's Doom's uh, defences in Latveria launch and destroy it and of course Doom's already been critical of the project in the news but (laughs) he is clearly surprised by the launching of Latverian missiles to the moon to destroy this is not planned you know he's like who gave the order to launch those missiles who he goes I don't know they were activated without warning uh you know, there's terrorists on the moon attacking the station, They're, they've got a Latverian flag with them, Doom knows nothing about this, you know he's like, how many people were aboard that station, there was nearly 3,000 and uh, immediately, Doom the, the the ruler of Latveria we see his clearly, we see his care for his country, you know, he says presidents, prime ministers dictators, any ruler, he goes contact them. What do you want was to tell them, Master? Surrender. Surrender, full surrender, unconditional surrender. You know, so Doom wants to surrender now because he does not want Laveria harmed by the you know repercussions, honest, yeah. you know. So so yeah, so there's a lot going on here. Um two hours after the disaster we see incoming uh incoming um helicopters, special forces coming to invade in let very end collect doom and then we have a, we have a guest appearance yes. of one of my they sent the big guns for him like. <laughs> they, 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 actually, they actually didn't <laughs> they actually didn't um, a guest appearance by one of my favourite characters yeah. uh, in Marvel comics so you don't see very much and that's the modern day version of Union Jack um, so Union Jack is uh, was formerly a, a vampire hunter uh, he was kind of the the, the UK version of Blade um, but he's also a spy in you know, Special Forces he's well trained you know the previous Union Jack had been a member of the Invaders alongside Cap yeah, yeah. in World War 2 and that this Union Jack and he had been uh, a relation I believe of Brian Braddock who so eventually became Captain Britain mm-hmm. uh, Lord Falsworth and uh, this Union Jack is Joey Chapman I believe still Joey Chapman who's a, a working class guy who has the mantle you know has, he's been a vampire hunter he's been a, a British super spy you know and he he knocks Doom about a bit.
1: I assume Ferry is not in the EU, is
2: it? Uh, I, I, th- I don't know. I think it is. I'm not sure. But there's a really, there's a really lovely, uh, <laughs> lovely moment here where uh, <laughs> where Union Jack, you know, jumps out of a helicopter, you know, flying sidekicks Doom in the in the throat, and you know they battle on a on the on the side of uh, Doomstad Castle and. Uh, you know, Union Jack seems to have the upper hand, and then uh, Doom electrocutes him. <laughs> and I think the best line in comics this month <laughs> says the Union Union Jack Brexit stage left flee. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, very good. Uh, it's it's just a great <clears throat> it's just a great story. It's I'm really interested to see where this is going with Doom. What's happening in the story? Um, who's setting them up? Who's setting them up? yeah exactly Uh, very very good it's not a position you you see Dr. Doom in very much yeah um, but you're seeing all the sides of him you know he's a long running character he's one of the best villains in comics Um, and it's just really nice to see an exploration of him outside of what you've seen in you know Hickman's Secret Wars or you know uh, the infamous Iron Man but I think yeah very very good really impressed with
0: Christopher Cantwell. yeah me too yeah cool cool so that was doctor doom number one so we're going to finish it all off with my pick for the month as i say i dilly-dallied around this a lot but i think at our base level i mean between us all we all spend a lot in comics we all spend a lot of time reading them it's great to, to read things with loads of depth and pathos and all this stuff but at their base level they should be fun yep and you should read it, and you should feel better after reading it than you did when you started. We talk about this title again all the time, but again, there's a reason for that. It is quite simply one of the best out there. Um, we're talking Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number 13, um, which is written by Tom Taylor. It does list four artists. I must admit I don't really notice much art change in it, but it has down Ken Lashley, Todd Nauk, IG Guerrera, and Dyke Ruan. Although I would like to throw a little shout out to Andrew C. Robinson who is the cover artist because I love the cover. Um, so yeah this this is actually tying together threads from right from the very start of the um, the storyline. Uh, so not long ago Spider-Man helped his neighbour Lilani and her children Tiara and Jasper, not Johnny Storm's kids despite his worries, <laughs> uh, escape abduction by her father Hale Carrick. Carrick is a dictator of a nation-state called Under York that's been isolated in a cavern deep, deep under Manhattan Under York, that's fantastic (laughs) since the middle of the last century and he wants to bring Jasper into the family business brackets, oppression since Spider-Man embarrassed Carrick on top of foiling his plans um, he's been trying to assassinate Webhead endangering innocent people in the process so Spider-Man is settling this now with the help of some friends about four should be a good start. So straight away... You know, Which four? Which four? <laughs> so this all ties back as well to, um, I think it was Friendly Neighborhood, Spider-Man number two. there either two or three where Johnny flies in Peter's window and he's just like, can you be a little less conspicuous and use the front door? So now he has the Fantastic Four using the front door, but little kids walk into the hallway and is like, ah, what's going on here? Um... <laughs> but there's just great stuff here straight away. Like Johnny's standing there saying, I'm thinking we look a little conspicuous. If only one of us had some kind of invisibility power. <laughs> um, so Reed has obviously set it up in a way where um, Spidey's been hiding out, as I say, Lilani and the two kids with, this, um, with some sort of digital uh, glamour. And what's great is when he uses it and brings them back, they both run straight for Johnny and Spider-Man's like and also Spider-Man is here
3: <laughs> he's just
0: thoroughly being ignored um, and straight away he's like your, your dad tried to have me killed and she just goes sorry my guess is he'll keep trying um, so basically there's a rebellion trying to be set up in under York so they these guys decide they're going to go down and do their best to help so they go down in sort of this magic elevator which is great uh, there's it's a, like a dimensional elevator, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, Reed says, incredible, this isn't regular velocity, but there's a great back and forth here between Johnny and, and Ben Grimm. Mmm, get your stupid foot out of my face. Get your stupid face out of my foot. Well, that's just standard. That's <laughs> just standard Ben and Johnny. Uh, and <laughs> it gets even better with Ben and Spidey because Ben goes, Yeah, fascinating. I think I'm going to be sick, Spider Man. What does that look like? Is it like a small avalanche? Is it? <laughs> and he goes, Is it? You think I eat rocks? <laughs> <laughs> um, so they make it down to under York uh, where they meet up with the um, the leader of the revolution um, someone who is very much on Lilana's side to overthrow her father um, there's a nice little throwback there to Yancey Street as well we're reading Sue's kids entertaining uh, Lilani's two kids in Yancey Street mm-hmm. um, but uh Yeah, so they all talk about um, wanting to help do their best and they all agree to do it straight away. But I'm sorry, I'm going to have to take away your Brexit line because the best line in comics this month is Science 5, (laughs) which is Reed Richards and Spider-Man high-fiving. Over science, yeah. (laughs) Over science. And what's great is... um, Well, no, there's all this good stuff here because they all keep having these random thoughts. So they're like, but they all run in the same... If we isolate exactly and then it's just a matter of reversing and Sue's like you know when you're in sync it's customary to finish these other sentences not just trail off together (laughs) and then they do science 5 and Johnny goes never do that again which pays off even better later Um, so yeah they they do their best to help out the guys they are able to um, reed and spider able to put together this device which dismantles all the guns always nice to see uh peter parker's uh, scientific sci- side. scientific mind coming out um and then you see ben grimm's angry cloburn time side <laughs> coming out when he goes let's talk about calling people freaks mm-hmm. uh, once all the guns are disabled um so yeah they overthrow and then the um The guy who uh, runs under York basically lets out this bomb. He gets captured, but he always says, I've been prepared for an invasion. And that's exactly what you are, daughter. You, your rebellion and your outsiders have infested this city. So this this bomb falls into what looks like sort of volcanic lava and Johnny goes straight in after it and he pulls it out. Um, But he then goes to hand it to Spidey and Reed, obviously the two scientific minds, but He's like, here, quick, disable it. And Spidey goes, no, I can't. My hands will melt off. Read, Johnny, it has to be you. We'll talk you through it. Right, remove that panel. Right, now solder together that. Yes, keep doing. Is that a good beep? Yeah, keep going. Pull out that pin now, yeah. Wait, did I do it? Almost one last thing. What, what did do I do? Put both hands in the air. Flame out. Palms out. Now what? Now? Science five. <laughs> <laughs> and Johnny gets high-fived by both of them. Johnny feels... uh horrible about it I did not consent to that Ben I know what I saw (laughs) Uh, just great great stuff Um, finishes off then with uh, Spider-Man now being put down to being his third the third favorite superhero of the two kids because Ben Grimm's made of rocks Uh, yeah just absolutely brilliant stuff good old fashioned storytelling Yep. great arts good humor fun times Pick it of the month. seemed to finish quickly. Yeah, I mean, there is literally just one page of wrap up. Yeah, and then it sort of says next month a night off, which is interesting. In so, itself. I mean,
2: is that the is that the under York?
0: Um, I mean, to Pete's me, neighbor. Story finished, or are we? I would say for now. I mean, it is just wrapped up in sort of two lines of dialogue because Spidey says, "You sure it'll be safe to go back home?" And Lilani says, "Yes, my father trying to blow up the whole city caused some serious self-examination, and even his most ze- zealous supporters." Mm-hmm. So she's obviously going back to sort of be a new ruler. I would imagine. Yeah. Um, but obviously a much fairer one. But yeah, Tom Taylor. He just you know, we we praise him all the time, but he does hard brilliantly. He does humor brilliantly. He writes Spider-Man brilliantly. He yeah. does. He yeah. really he does. does. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, my pick of the month: Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. You could almost read this issue as a one-shot. It does tie off a lot of stuff from earlier issues, but at the same time, it is just a fun adventure with Spidey and the Fantastic mm-hmm. Four. So yeah, that brings an end to a rather big month of October. Sweet. So ends our final monthly. You know. I don't think anybody's too sad about that given that it's one in the (laughs) morning oh absolutely Um, Uh, time for me to go home I've got the uh, Northern Air Music Prize to attend tomorrow evening
2: you rest up
1: I've got Coffee and Heroes to attend oh brilliant
0: Roddy is uh, making use of our hospitality tonight and staying in the evening Brilliant. Um, and then he's probably just going to sit here and read comics and graphic novels all day tomorrow he's not going to come to Coffee (laughs) and Heroes at all we'll get home he'll be just surrounded by them (coughs) surrounded Um, right. but yeah these long podcasts they are a little time but they're always a lot of fun as well so we look forward to bringing that sort of enthusiasm and detail just to shorter podcasts. I think which will yeah. work out better but for now that is our final monthly review show that was right. November for October pleasure as always gents lovely comics 5 comics 5
3: <laughs> comics Singular. single, or single
0: five comics 5, five for, for me, me. <laughs> next one cheers guys see ya bye